politics. Hopefully, this budget will provide a baseline for the type of work that we need to do. To the world of business. They waited too long to begin this, the tightening process. So they're just beginning to start to tighten at a time that inflation's way above their target. This is Balance of Power with David Weston. From Bloomberg World Headquarters in New York to our television and radio audiences worldwide, welcome to Balance of Power. Yesterday at this time, we were thinking maybe, maybe there was some hope for possible discussions between Ukraine and Russia. Today, it doesn't look like that is developing the way we had hoped. At the same time, President Biden has just been talking with President Zelensky of Ukraine. We turn now to our Washington correspondent, Joe Matthew. He's host of Sound On Weekdays on Bloomberg Radio. I think it's too early to get a readout, but give us a sense, Joe, from your perspective there at the White House. What's on the agenda between President Biden and President Zelensky right now? Well, to your point, skepticism on the agenda here, David. It was well-deserved at this time yesterday. The call began a little bit less than an hour ago. This is the first time they've spoken one-on-one -on -one in almost three weeks, remembering that President Zelensky addressed the G7 meeting last week while President Biden was in Europe. To your point, though, things felt a lot different this time yesterday. Markets were rising on talk from Moscow about de-escalation, but... No surprise today to hear from the Kremlin that it's quite the opposite, in fact. No breakthroughs in talks between Ukraine and Russia, as they're saying, and of course, bombing and shelling continues. A source close to the Kremlin telling Bloomberg today that Russia's military goals right now, likely goals, are the capturing, the taking of the two provinces in the east where this all began, and that land bridge that is essentially complete from the Russian border to the Crimean Peninsula. So, David, not the best update for you today with regard to the war in Ukraine, but I will add something wonderful that happened a couple of hours ago when a Russian Soyuz capsule touched down in Kazakhstan, bringing two Russian cosmonauts and one American astronaut back from the International Space Station. That American, Mark Vandehei, just set a record for the longest ever human space flight, 355 days. The Russian commander, before he departed the ISS, said on the radio, quote, people have problems on Earth, but in orbit we have one crew. He thanked his space brothers and space sisters before they boarded the capsule to come back to Earth, bringing a little perspective from orbit, David. Joe, I'm sorry, it is a wonderful story because there was some question at the beginning whether the Russians would bring him back down or not. Let me put you on the spot with one more issue, which was the trade status of Russia. That's something that they thought was going to sail right through Congress. There is a senator yeah. named, uh, <laughs> named Rand that is not letting it through. Rand Paul, that's right, has a hold on this. There are questions about the language and exactly how this bill would be written. David, it has been weeks since President Biden stood in this White House and called for Congress to do this very thing. It's something the administration cannot do on its own. It has to be done legislatively to revoke normal trade relations from Russia. We have no timeline on when that might pass. Okay, Joe, thank you so very much. That's Bloomberg's Joe Matthew, and you can listen to Joe every single day of the week at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. That's on Sound On on Bloomberg Radio. In the meantime, we're going to turn to a true expert in foreign policy. She's Jane Harmon, President Emerita of the Wilson Center, former congresswoman from California, 
Virginia and author of Insanity Defense, Why Our Failure to Confront Hard National Security Problems Makes Us Less Safe. So, Jane, thank you so much for being here with us in New York, which is a particular pleasure. So let me ask you, do you think from your, your perspective and all your expertise, is Russia changing its position in Ukraine? That is to say, is it now concentrating on the east and willing to give up some in the, in the west? I, I think we don't know. We don't know the answer to that, and we have to keep the pressure on. Uh, it was Teddy Roosevelt who said, talk softly and carry a big stick. I think the stick part is what we need to keep focused on uh, with more aid and uh, more resources to the Ukrainians and, and, and more humanitarian aid. And I, oh, by the way, I think the United Nations needs to get into this and set up uh, humanitarian zones inside the country, which, as I understand it, can be approved by the General Assembly. This doesn't have to go through the Security Council and get vetoed by Russia. So let's pause on that just for a moment. The rest of the world, if I can call it that. I mean, a lot of people have been surprised at the unanimity between the United States and NATO and other democracies in really imposing sanctions on Russia. Put aside China for the moment. Where is the rest of the world? India is not necessarily with us, or a lot of people are not necessarily with us. Right. Uh, the, at the, the Security Council resolution condemning Russia was vetoed, so forget that. The General, Council, the General Assembly resolution passed, but there were 35 abstentions and five no votes. The 35 abstentions included Middle East countries and African countries. And it is important to understand that not everybody out there thinks Ukraine is the center of the universe. Uh, good news that, that Joe Biden has lashed the U.S. back into uh, Europe, and organizations in Europe have new purpose, including uh, certainly uh, the EU and NATO, um, but not so much the U.N., as I just mentioned. And in the Middle East, they're saying, hey, uh, people want us to ship more gas to Europe, but Europe can't transport our gas. They don't have the infrastructure yet. Uh, people want us to give back or at least loan uh, the military aid we've gotten from the United States. What do we get for that? And what about all the other conflicts that no one's paying attention to, including you know un unresolved conflicts, including Syria uh, and Yemen and a lot of the, uh, the wars in Africa? So they feel uh, that we might not be there for them, even though we want them to be there for us. If, in fact, more of the rest of the world came over to the United States' NATO side, would it really increase the pressure on President Putin? What does that do to his calculus? Uh, I think it would increase the pressure on Putin because there are or were trading relationships with Russia, and Russia plays big in the Middle East now. Remember, we let Russia in. We had this issue about not enforcing the red line in Syria. Remember that? Because they used poison gas. And so Russia came in and, and saved us by taking the poison gas away and, and putting it back in Russia. I just wonder if those are the stocks they might use on Ukraine. That's pretty horrifying to think that could happen. Uh, but Russia plays pretty big there, and Russia plays big in Africa, and so does China. I think the reason we want to do this is because the, remember the liberal world order? Mm -hmm. That thing we formed after World War II, which has kept the peace more or less with a few uh, oopses like uh, Vietnam and Iraq uh, for 75 plus years, uh, that needs to be built back better or built better. Mm -hmm. And if we want a a, a world at peace with democratic values uh, that respects human rights, we better get at it, because if we don't get at it, China, and I don't know what's going to be left of Russia, it may be vassal state of China, but 
China's going to form a, a big team and reach for people who should be on our team. What do we think we understand about President Putin's goals here, his strategic objectives? Because uh, there was a piece in The New York Times actually today suggesting maybe what he really wants is eastern Ukraine because of the natural gas, because it's a very large natural gas reserve. Well, I think that's part of what he wants, but I think he needs a little red hat that says, make Russia great again. I don't know. It doesn't. It's not MAGA. It's MURGA. Uh, I think that's where he comes from, and it's kind of a messianic urge, plus Russian grievance. Uh, the point of my book is that after the Cold War ended, we thought we won, everybody else lost, we're the indispensable nation, to quote the late wonderful Madeleine Albright. They're not, and, and so we ignored the fact that, Cong that China didn't want to be us. And we ignored the fact, we ignored terrorism's rise, and we ignored Russian grievance, which had we been magnanimous to Russia, and maybe we should be magnanimous this time if we mm. finally get to the end. I'm not saying magnanimous to Putin, but magnanimous to yeah. the Russian people. Uh, maybe we will build back much better. Yeah, it would have worked maybe with Germany after World War One, for example. Well, it might have come out differently. But we learned that, and it worked after World War Two. Yeah. And the interesting part of this is Germany is stepping up big time to help us in Ukraine. No, exactly. That's part of the big story here. Mm -hmm. But but you mentioned the the liberal order that's been really in force since World War Two, lar largely. Right. Uh, we're gonna have to take a fresh look at that. But one of the things we're watching right now is a form of, um, if I can put it this way, economic warfare. The use of economic sanctions much more powerfully than we've seen before. At the same time, Russia clearly is trying to get around some of those, for right. example, through payment systems, talking with China and with India about an alternative payment system. Mm -hmm. Is that a threat to us? I think so. I do. I think if we have two world currencies, for the moment, the, the dollar, best as I can tell, is the, is the primo world currency, and we maybe have an increase in all these cryptocurrencies, I think that puts us at a, at a disadvantage, best I can tell. And I... Uh, uh, I think that, again, we need a strategy around that. It's not just beat back Putin in Ukraine, but it's think about the world order going forward in which, uh, at least speaking from my perspective as a, as a, a pro-business, pro-defense, <laughs> free trade Democrat, there were a few of us, we're now embalmed in museums, but, but what I'm saying is thinking about a world in, in those terms, which I guess are Bloomberg terms too, yeah. um, we, we have to be building something that everybody wants to support, or if not everybody, most bodies want to support. Well, it raises the interesting question. I, I, I saw an account of Hank Paulson supposedly saying that a senior Chinese official saying the problem is you have better allies than we have. And as you look at this, uh, if Russia is more or less uh, going along with China or the reverse, China going along with Russia, uh, what about the United States? With Western Europe, we seem to be closer than we've been in some time. Japan, Taiwan, South Korea, that's not a bad team. It's a good team, but let, let's figure Israel is still neutral here. Yeah. Have we noticed this? Israel is neutral because Russia protects Israel's interests in Syria. Well, oops, um, we were the first country to recognize Israel. Harry Truman did that. Yeah. We've, been a, we've called Israel our closest democratic ally in the Middle East. And so we need a bigger team. I, I think it's good, that, uh, the folks you named. I also think China's watching this closely. I think China made a big mistake to align itself so closely with Vladimir Putin, the person. 
Uh, mm. And uh, I think that uh, uh, she will be hurt by this. Um, but if Putin gets away with this or a lot of this in Ukraine, China will look at, at Taiwan and say, well, we, we, we have Hong Kong yeah. next. And that's something we really want to avoid. They're a very close ally of ours. Jane, tr such a treat to have you with us. Thank you so much for being here. That is Jane Harmon, President Emerita of the Wilson Center. Coming up, President Biden's budget. Does it go far enough with Maya McGinnis of the Committee for a Responsible Budget? This is Balance of Power on Bloomberg Television and Radio. This is Balance of Power on Bloomberg Television and Radio. I'm David Weston. We want to keep you up to date with news from around the world. And for that, we turn to Mark Crumpton with First Word. David, thank you. President Biden may invoke Cold War powers to encourage domestic production of critical minerals for electric vehicle and other types of batteries. Bloomberg has learned the White House is discussing adding materials like lithium, nickel, and graphite to the list of items covered by the 1950 Defense Production Act. That's the same authority wielded by President Truman to make steel during the Korean War and Donald Trump to spur mass production during the coronavirus pandemic. The number of Ukrainians who have fled the country since Russia launched its invasion almost five weeks ago has surged past four million. That's about 10 percent of the former Soviet Republic's pre-war population. The United Nations says more than half have fled to Poland, with the Ukrainian government preventing men between the ages of 18 and 60 from leaving the country. The majority of the refugees have been women and children. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson says the UK is right to, quote, double down on military aid to Ukraine. Speaking to the House of Commons today, he also warned against easing sanctions on Russia prematurely. We need now to ratchet up the economic pressure on Vladimir Putin, and it is certainly inconceivable that any sanctions uh, could be taken off uh, simply because there is a ceasefire, uh, uh, Mr. Speaker. That would be absolutely unthinkable. Prime Minister Johnson also said the UK and its allies have to be, quote, extremely energetic in exposing lies from Russian President Vladimir Putin's regime. New York City COVID-19 cases are rising again, particularly among people aged 25 to 34. City officials say the surge appears to be concentrated in Manhattan, the most vaccinated borough. In an unusual move, the New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene posted a warning on Twitter today saying it strongly recommends New Yorkers mask up indoors. The warning came in contrast to the city's COVID alert system, which identifies the COVID alert level as low risk. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. I'm Mark Crumpton. This is Bloomberg. David.
Thank you so much, Mark. Well, on Monday, we got a budget from the White House and where they're proposing, at least aspirationally, where they want to take the budget this year, although it's up to Congress exactly what they do. And they were very proud of the fact that they were exhibiting what they called fiscal responsibility by reducing the deficit over time. For her take on exactly what this budget would do if enacted, we turn now to Maya McGinnis. She's president of a committee for a responsible budget, federal budget. Thank you, Maya, for being here. Uh, so give us your take on this budget. At least they're talking about the deficit, right? Exactly. Um, it's very welcome to hear a shift in terms of the discussion where they are talking about the importance of fiscal responsibility. And it's one of the really the leading talking points of the entire budget. When it comes to the actual policies, I would say they do a real job of starting to reduce the deficit, but it falls well short of where it needs to be. And that's not actually their fault. No president gets to choose what economy they inherit. And this administration has inherited a very bad fiscal situation, um, and there's a lot that has to be done about it. But basically, when it comes to the policies, their overall budget would reduce deficits from where they otherwise would be by a trillion dollars. And we haven't seen a credible package of savings like that in quite some time. And so I think, um, like I said, that's very welcome improvement. Still, this budget has a plan to borrow a 14.4 trillion dollars in deficits over the budget window, which is 10 years. And it would leave the debt at the highest it had ever been in the entire history of this country, including after world wars. So great job talking about the issue. Good job starting to do something on the issue. So much more to be done if we really want to get ahead of this big debt challenge, which we unquestionably are facing. So, Maya, I want to come back to one word you use, the savings reflected in this budget. I mean, those of us who've run budgets in big corporations, when you try to save money, you think of cutting costs. It's awfully easy to take the top line up. Aren't the savings, as you call it here, really from increased taxes rather than from actually spending less money? They sure are. And good point. I think about budgets from a government perspective, but it's not the same as a business perspective at all. And so this savings is all from higher revenues. What the budget would do is it would increase taxes overall by uh, $2.6 trillion in new revenues. That is a massive tax increase. And to be clear, this budget leaves out the number one priority of the administration, Build Back Better which has further very large tax increases. So it would, if they were able to pass a bill that they're looking at, have even more in tax increases. It then goes ahead and it spends another $1.6 trillion in new spending. So you're right, when I was talking about savings, that's relative to what we had before in the budget or what we yep. call the budget baseline, but they would actually tax more, a lot more, and they would spend a lot more but they would tax enough more that there would be an additional trillion dollars. Nothing in terms of controlling spending. If one really wanted, let's let's say the budget process were a serious process, which it should be in this country because it is the blueprint for the national strategy of the country. Um, this would be a great starting point for then a different party to come along and say, you do nothing on controlling spending. Here's where we think we should find the spendings. And maybe then we could start to put a package that actually was closer to the magnitude of what we need. Well, so I think, Maya, you make a really important point here. If it were a serious attempt at budgeting, implying it really isn't, what is the significance of this budget? Because everybody immediately says, well, it's just aspirational. It doesn't relate to what Congress is going to do. I mean, who and where do they get down to brass tacks and actually do the thing that you and I might think of as a real budget process? 
Unfortunately, they don't. I mean, that really is what is, is the shocker in all this, is that we basically run this country without any kind of real budget in place, certainly not with a real strategy in place. So the president's budget is supposed to come out. This budget came out seven weeks late. But it comes out. It starts the process of then when Congress negotiates these things, and they go through and they have it all in place by the end of the fiscal year, end of September. Uh, they don't do any of that anymore. So much of the budget is on automatic pilot, where our biggest growth is healthcare, retirement. Most years, they do nothing to address those problems. One of the huge, huge oversights in this budget, Medicare and Social Security are headed towards insolvency, their trust funds, and there are no serious plans to address those problems in this budget. They likely will get completely ignored through the rest of the year as well. But unfortunately, in each of those periods where the White House puts out a budget and then pushes for it, when Congress negotiates a budget, then we appropriate individual bills and think about the mandatory spending. None of, none of those things happen seriously anymore. That's why at the end of the year, we have continuing resolutions throughout the year and a big mm -hmm. omnibus package, which had no oversight in it. We don't do the work of budgeting anymore. And the problem is, it's not just that we're in fiscally kind of reckless territory. It's that it doesn't give those who are supposed to serve as stewards of our economy and our country and yeah decide what our priorities are, the exercise of really thinking through those things. Yeah, boy, that's really sobering. Thank you so much for being with us. That's Maya McGinnis of a Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget. Still to come, we're going to talk with Congressman John Katko of New York about what we need to do to harden our cyber defenses. This is Balance of Power on Bloomberg Television and on radio. The jobs report last month beat estimates. We have a very tight labor market. It is pretty clear. Historic recovery in our labor market. One of the best labor markets in a generation. This Friday, Tom, John, Lisa, and Mike will bring you the data and analysis as the numbers cross the Bloomberg. More people are coming into the labor force. It's going to decelerate the wage gains. Is that good? As the Fed looks to contain inflation, it's really important that the jobs recovery continues. The March Jobs Report, Friday on Bloomberg Television and radio. This is Balance of Power on Bloomberg Television and Radio. I'm David Weston. Yesterday at this time, there was a risk-on kind of feel of the markets, perhaps tied in part to some hopes about the Ukraine-Russia negotiations. Today, not so many hopes about those negotiations. And by the way, it looks like a little risk off. But to explain it all to us, welcome now Abigail Doolittle. So what's going on? Well, it does certainly feel like a little bit of a reversal. Not severe, but we do have stocks down. The S&P 500 right now down about half a percent. The tech-heavy Nasdaq down a little bit more, down about six-tenths of one percent. And of course, we have oil popping higher as uh, the hope for de-escalation of those tensions. The war uh, really seems to fade on the day. Something else I would point out, though, David's European stocks weak on the day. And of course, inflation numbers for uh, some of the European countries today uh, really coming in sky high. Spain in particular, almost at 10 percent. So I think that that probably set the stage in some ways, because as tragic as this war is, uh, until it affects the corporate profit outlook, as we've talked about before, it's more of a headline risk to stocks. But inflation, the Fed, that really is, you know, a bigger macro systemic driver. And so in Europe, they're facing what we may be facing soon, 10 percent inflation. 
And what about earnings? What are we doing on projections for earnings right now? Well, earnings, we actually have some earnings, one of them for Chewy.com. Retail in particular coming in right now, and it's interesting, RH, uh, the high-end version of Pottery Barn, uh, that stock is down. They put in earnings that just were not great at all, but also the CEO making some really wild statements, even bringing up the collapse of Bear Stearns. And the reason that caught my eye, I know, it's <laughs> exact, but wow. it caught my eye because from a market perspective, there's lots of similarities to 2008. So to hear the CEO doing furniture retail, uh, for some reason bringing that up, it kind of caught my eye. But Lululemon, on the other hand, great quarter. They read the sa raised their sales guidance, so it suggests that you know they think that some people consumers are going to be spending money. Chewy.com, not so much. Sales outlook, not great. And the dollar. The dollar, it's interesting. Yeah, it is. Now, it is. Yeah, it is. That, yeah, I'm glad you reminded me of that. That might be the biggest story of the day. Down yeah. for a second day in a row, uh, down more than 1%, the biggest decline going back to November 2020. That's actually risk on. So it's interesting that we have yeah. everything else risk off. Maybe by the end of the day, somewhere to Monday, we'll have a bearish, a bullish reversal. Pretty complicated, but that's why we have you, Abigail, to explain And you, it all. David. No, no, <laughs> you, you always Abigail. help me. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much to Abigail Doolittle for that report on the markets. Coming up, Republican Congressman John Katko of New York on defense against Russian cyber attacks. This is Balance of Power on Bloomberg Television and on radio. This is Balance of Power on Bloomberg Television and Radio. I'm David Weston. We knew that President Biden was t speaking with President Zelensky of Ukraine, and we just got a readout of exactly what was discussed. The two presidents spoke about the continuing efforts of the United States and allies to deliver military, economic, and humanitarian assistance to Ukraine and to impose severe costs on Russia for its invasion of Ukraine. That's according to the White House. Joining us now is Republican Congressman John Katko of New York. He's the ranking member of the House Committee on Homeland Security. Mr. Congressman, thank you so much for being with us. This just got across the wire just now. Give us your initial reaction about what we're doing in Ukraine, what more we need to do. Well, my initial reaction is that uh, it's a step in the right direction. I mean, I was concerned before Russia invaded Ukraine that we weren't doing enough, and we clearly were not. Uh, because Putin was not deterred by anything we said or did. And we, we, a lot of us wanted to send uh, lethal aid to Ukraine before Russia invaded, and the president resisted. Now that the, you know, the, the genie's out of the bottle and Russia is in Ukraine, the president is doing a pretty decent job of ratcheting up, ratcheting up the sanctions and trying to tighten the economic impact uh, that it's having on Russia, which is a good thing. Let's talk, Congressman, about specifically one area that I know you have direct jurisdictional responsibility for, and that is the cybersecurity aspect of this. We've been all concerned. In fact, President Biden has warned about possible cyber attacks from Russia as part of this. We haven't seen them yet. Give us your appraisal of where we are in the United States and with our companies, and for that matter, Europe as well, in our cyber defenses. Sure, David. Well, first of all, R Russia is one of the worst offenders on the world stage for cyber attacks. Most or many of the, the cyber attacks we've had in recent years in the U.S., the major ones, have been sponsored by Russian, uh, Russian entities within the country of Russia. They're, they're basically uh, separate entities uh, within Russia, but they, they act under the imprimatur of, of Putin and the Russian regime. And uh, like the colonial pipeline attack can be traced back to them, the Kaseya uh, attack, the solar winds attack and the, and the JBS uh, attack on a beef industry. Those are all examples. And, you know, a lot of people think that those were tests that Putin was running to see how vulnerable our defenses are and what we would do in response. And 
quite frankly, back then we didn't do anything. We didn't really respond knowing, even though we knew it was, they were Russia state sponsored attacks. So going forward, we have a, we have a big, a very big threat. And the more that Russia's backed into a corner, the more that they're hurting economically, the more likely it is that Putin is gonna lash out against American cyber defenses. And so what we're doing about it is, everything we're doing at Homeland Security is focused on cyber, an awful lot of it. You know, five years ago, the biggest threat to our country was uh, ISIS-inspired um, uh, massive acts of violence here. That's no longer the case. The biggest threat to our country from a Homeland Security standpoint, and really national security, is cyber actors uh, attacking us. And at Homeland Security, that's what we're doing 24-7. So, so, Congressman, in this area of cyber, one of the challenges is not just the United States government. It's not just like our military. We also have so many private enterprises, obviously, with extensive computer systems. We heard President Biden earlier ask, uh, really invoke patriotism in asking corporate CEOs to really beef up their cyber. Since that, uh, are we coordinating with private companies, and do we have a sense that they are increasing their defenses? Yeah, absolutely. We have been coordinating with them. And several years ago, myself and uh, former Chairman Mike McCall and others uh, pushed to get uh, what's called the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency up and running at Homeland Security. It's now a multi-billion dollar agency and it needs more resources. But what CISA is, uh, which is their nickname, CISA is meant to do is to interact with the private sector and the government sector to make sure that our systems are secure as possible. And, and it's basically completely based on exchanging of information, exchanging of malware, and figuring out how to patch the, the attacks when they happen, uh, re respond to them quicker, and then really kind of reviewing the systems in the private sector, uh, those who want them, want, want our help, to uh, find the holes and, and, and have, have them patch them. And I guess the biggest message we have with CISA right now is, assume that you're gonna be the next one attacked and act accordingly. Don't assume that you're not going to be the next one attacked, like a lot of, people, a lot of com companies hope for. And so we have things like on CISA.gov called uh, Shields Up. Any entity can go to that, and at Shields Up, they can get help as to you know, what, how to help their systems, how to make their systems more secure. We also have something we just passed into law called incident reporting. And basically, it's going to be mandating that private sector companies, when they have significant cyber attacks, within 72 hours must report those attacks to CISA, not because we want to smack those companies, we don't. We want to help them uh, secure their systems, but also learn from those attacks how to better strengthen systems for everyone nationwide. Uh, Congressman, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit because one of the things we've learned from this readout that I had not seen before is that President Biden apparently said that it's the intention of the United States government to provide $500 million in direct budgetary support to Ukraine. You haven't heard about that. I've just heard about it. Uh, but do you have an initial reaction? I won't hold you to it, but do you think there would be sentiment in Congress to back that sort of support for Ukraine? Well, I, listen, I, there's a tremendous amount of support for Ukraine, and we, we've been getting briefings almost weekly on Ukraine, and we're going to get another one today at 445. And so if they need our resources, the, the, the desire is there to give it to them. And so I, I don't know exactly what the president is referring to, but, uh, you know, if they need the resources, we want to give it to them. You can't look and listen to Zelensky like we have, uh, like when he addressed Congress and not just feel some kind of emotion for what they're going through and how we can help them more. But quite frankly, we, we, um, we've got to do better in the future, especially with respect to China, to, to make more of a deterrent factor on the front end 
and let them understand the cost if they go into Taiwan, China, for example, or if Russia goes into another country. We can't stand for it, and we got to make sure they understand that and that there's sufficient deterrent. We didn't have that prior to Ukraine, but we need to have it now going forward on, on all fronts. Congressman, finally, let me broaden this out just a little bit, and that's to the president's budget that was proposed on Monday this week. There was an increase in there for defense spending. Have you had an opportunity to sort of take a look at that initially? I understand that those budgets are sort of aspirational, but do you think that President Biden's heading in the right direction? Is there enough in there for our defense? No, the president's budget doesn't even cover the cost of inflation. So, in effect, it's a net decrease in spending for defense at a time when we're on the verge of possibly a a war with Russia, and God forbid, we, we, I hope that doesn't happen, but we may, right? And on top of that, we have this menace of China that we've really got to be ready for. So basically, we are basically having to prepare to deal with two major military possible conflicts in the world, in, in Europe and in China. And uh, the, the president, in effect, with his recommendations in his budget, are saying we should cut them because it's not even keeping up with inflation. Not only should we be keeping up with inflation, we should probably be plusing up the budget to make sure that our resources are there and we are fully ready for anything that comes before us. The American people deserve that and the world needs it. Congressman, thank you so much. You're always so helpful. And I really appreciate you being willing to really go with the news as it broke here. That's Congressman. No sweat. John Katko. I know for you it isn't. That's right. Congressman John Katko, Republican of New York. Now we want to keep you up to date on news from around the world. And for that, we turn to Mark Crumpton with First Word. David, thank you. Russia says it's regrouping its forces in Ukraine in a push to complete the takeover of the eastern Donbass region. It's the latest sign that Moscow is not slowing all military activity, despite a pledge to cut operations near Kiev and Cherniv. Yesterday, Russia claimed it was cutting operations in those areas in what it called an effort to build confidence amid talks aimed at reaching a ceasefire. White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain says he believes President Biden's approval rating will rise in the coming months. Klain spoke on the David Rubenstein show peer-to-peer -peer conversations earlier this month for an Economic Club of Washington, D.C. event. I fully accept the fact that the American people uh, are more show me, not tell me. And what they want to see is they want to see that we really have reached a new way of managing COVID. They want to see we really have not just created jobs, but the jobs are going to stay. The wages are going to go up. They want to see that these the economic recovery is real and sustained. I think the political credit will follow from that. To see more of that interview with White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain, watch the David Rubenstein Show, peer-to-peer -peer conversations tonight at 9 p.m. here in New York on Bloomberg Television. The House of Representatives will take up a vote this week to federally decriminalize marijuana. The measure would expunge convictions and place a tax on sales. A version of the bill made it through the House in 2020, but the Senate never took it up. Senate Democrats are now crafting their own version of the legislation. 37 states have legalized marijuana for recreational or medicinal use. Maine Republican Senator Susan Collins says she plans to vote to confirm Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson to the U.S. Supreme Court. That ensures that Judge Brown will take a seat on the court with bipartisan support. Senator Collins said she had a second meeting with Judge Jackson to deal with lingering concerns. Senator Collins' support avoids forcing the vote through the 50-50 Senate with Vice President Kamala Harris breaking the tie. 
Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. I'm Mark Crumpton. This is Bloomberg. Thank you so much, Mark. Coming up here, Tyler Goodspeed of the Hoover Institution on the economy and the importance of the jobs numbers coming out this Friday. This is Balance of Power on Bloomberg Television and on radio. This is Balance of Power on Bloomberg Television and Radio. I'm David Weston. Is it possible to get inflation under control and avoid tipping the economy over into a recession? Well, that is a question on many people's minds. And a short time ago, Richmond Fed President Tom Barkin told our colleague Mike McKee that the answer really depends on the pandemic and on Ukraine. I'm still hearing companies uh, say they have pricing power, and I'd say increasingly uh, I'm hearing that. Um, you know, maybe six months ago, uh, there were some that were uh, facing huge cost increases and just had to pass it on, but were uncertain of whether it could go through. Uh, today, those price increases have gone through, uh, and I, I would say uh, they have more conviction. And, of course, that's what compels me uh, to say using our tools uh, to manage inflation is what we need to do. For his analysis of the likelihood of a recession, we welcome now Dr. Tyler Goodspeed, Hoover Institution Fellow and former acting chair of the White House Council of Economic Advisors. So, Tyler, thank you so much for being with us. It is a question a lot of people are asking. Can we have a soft landing? What's your judgment? Well, I think it's a possibility, although the, the record of history isn't particularly encouraging on this. Uh, I noted that, that Larry Summers observed just in the past day that if we look back over the post-war period, when you have inflation above 4 percent and unemployment below 4 percent, the probability of a recession in the next year is about 50 percent, and the probability for the next two years uh, jumps to about 75 percent. So certainly it's, it's a fine needle that we're going to have to thread here. Well, and the answer, I assume, depends in part on what the Fed has to do to get inflation under control. That's why what Mr. Barkin had to say uh, could be alarming to some. If, in fact, pricing power is increasing, not reducing, doesn't that mean that the Fed will even have to go further in raising rates? Right. So this is something that I've observed in recent months. If you look at all these regional, regional Fed manufacturing surveys, it is just pervasive, the reports of, of companies trying to regain pricing, trying to regain margins. For much of 2021, they took it in margin. Now they're trying to gain that back. And I think this actually speaks to a lesson of the 1960s and 1970s. So in the 1960s, the Fed let inflation expectations become unanchored, such that when the supply shock of the 1970s hit, there was nothing to prevent expectations from moving up. There was nothing to allow or facilitate consumers and households and businesses to look through that transitory shock because inflation expectations had already become unanchored. And when I look at what the, the Fed faces now, they're going to have to have either a rising unemployment rate, increasing labor market slack, or else, and or 
uh, an actual tightening of real interest rates, meaning nominal interest rates are going to have to go up by more than the change in inflation. And we just haven't seen either of those yet from the Fed. Well, I'm glad you raised the unemployment because that was going to be my question. We have jobs numbers coming out on Friday, and I'm not sure whether if you're really concerned with inflation, you want those jobs numbers to be strong or want them to be weak. Do we need to increase unemployment as a practical matter if we're going to get our arms around inflation? I, I think that's a, a really good question, David. And certainly we're going to want to see a, a big increase in labor force participation, more people coming back into employment, actively looking for work. That in and of itself, if we look back to the 1970s, can be a little bit inflationary because those folks start earning income, they start demanding more. So it's all about the relative shift of supply and demand there. I think it's going to be really tough for the Federal Reserve to bring inflation back down to something like 2% from 8% without an increase in labor market slack. How much should we be counting on, or at least hoping for, some relief, whether it's Ukraine or whether it's the pandemic or whether it's just some of the supply chain problems easing on their own without regard to the Fed? Well, that would certainly be among among the most desirable ways in which this inflation problem is is resolved. Certainly, if 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 the so-called team transitory were to belatedly turn out to be correct, and this is all just driven by supply chains and port congestion and Chinese factory closures and and decreased flows of commodities from Russia and Ukraine, that that would be fantastic. Um, I'm not banking on that. So finally, Tyler, I'm going to sneak one in here from a viewer who just wrote in and said, wait a second, if we get more people coming back in, the participation rate goes back up. Doesn't that relieve some of the pressure on wages for employers? They don't have to pay as much in wage increases. Certainly, if, if we do get a big increase in labor force participation, that's going to mitigate somewhat the pressure on, on wages and any wage push inflation. Uh, but I think that we still have a big problem of a mismatch of, of supply and demand. And when you look at the, the, the quits rate, when you look at the vacancy rate, even if we have some recovery in the labor force participation, there's, it's still going to be a very tight labor market. And it's not just about labor. It's also that we've, we have a cumulative, we've had a cumulative shortfall of business investment of about $1.8 trillion since the start of the pandemic. So the supply side of the economy is still just generally pretty constrained and demand is still quite elevated and will remain elevated as, as services rec uh, rec recover. So I, 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 I'm not seeing any clear panacea coming out of, of Friday's job report. Taylor, it's always great to have you with us. That's Tyler Goodspeed, Dr. Tyler Goodspeed, I should say, of the Hoover Institution. Coming up, betting on Russian bonds. It may be smart, but is it right? Our colleague Eric Schatzker is here with his report for Bloomberg Businessweek. This is Balance of Power on Bloomberg Television and on radio.
This is Balance of Power on Bloomberg Television and Radio. I'm David Weston. Well, the news has been consumed with the war in Ukraine. And here at Bloomberg, part of that has been the economic effects on Russia and, yes, specifically on the Russian bonds, sovereign bonds, which have come under a lot of pressure, a lot of questions whether they would actually pay the coupons when they came due. Thus far, they have. So Eric Schatzker, editor-at-large at Bloomberg Businessweek, has now looked into this question about what kind of investment is it right now to actually invest in China and Russia bonds, a distressed debt, I think I would say at this point. Sure, it's distressed, <laughs> David. Uh, it exceeds the definition of distressed by several degrees of magnitude, and it's all because there's been a stampede of selling since Vladimir Putin insisted on invading Ukraine. There are all kinds of investors who either can't or have no desire to own Russian debt any longer. The question is, of course, who does? Well, and part of the question is, are you going to make money off of it? I mean, one question is an ought, and one question is an is. I mean, are you going to make money off of it? Well, that remains to be seen, right? right? Very, very, very few of us are good at predicting the future. But what investors are prepared to do is to bet on outcomes. And if you're buying a bond, it's not like buying a stock. You're not uh, anticipating necessarily growth. All you really care about is whether you're going to get paid back. And to your point, the Russians so far have indicated that they have every intention yeah. of honoring their obligations. And if they continue doing so, were you to buy a bond today that's trading at 50 cents on the dollar and get paid back at par 100 cents on the dollar 18 months from now, two years from now, that's a 100% return in a very short frame of time. So I found this piece utterly fascinating, in part because I couldn't think of another instance, there may be several, I don't know, where you had this kind of moral question, potentially, uh, juxtaposed against the business. Argentina defaulted, but there was no real moral question about what Argentina was doing as a government at the time. Now we have people, civilians being killed in Mariupol. Is there any ethical qualm? Is there any moral qualm here about saying, even if I think I'm going to make money, maybe I shouldn't? Absolutely, there's a moral qualm. I, in fact, talk to investors who say that and I should add, these are investors who have been very adventurous in the past mm -hmm. when it comes to doing sovereign distress, buying bonds, uh, Sudan, Sudanese bonds, for example, buying Venezuelan bonds, and don't want to go near Russian bonds because there is this moral overhang. Because there are people dying in the streets of Kiev and Mariupol and other cities, Kharkiv, for example, in Ukraine, and because we've seen the images of the Russians bombing hospitals and maternity wards, do you really feel comfortable betting on Russian debt, even if you can disassociate yourself uh, from, you know, the grim imagery on television? Is it right? It, it, it is a thorny question, and I don't, I definitely do not have the answer either way. It's not really my job to have the answer either way, but it is among the thorniest questions I think investors have had to face in a long time. As I say, I couldn't think of another ready example that would be like this. But let me ask you, as you talk to potential investors or current investors, do they make the move that I can imagine, which is I'm investing in Russian sovereign debt. I'm not investing in Vladimir Putin debt. Ah. That the government's different from the person of Vladimir Putin. Well, there, there are actually several flavors of debt. So first of all, you're absolutely right. Although it is very hard to disassociate yeah. Russian bonds from Vladimir Putin's economy or his regime, however you choose to term it. Um, so you can invest in sovereign debt. You can also invest in corporate debt. And maybe corporate debt is oh. distant enough from 
the Russian regime to give you a certain measure of comfort. And why would it be? Well, in the case of Russian sovereign debt, you're just betting on whether Putin's going to repay you. There, there is no claim on government-owned assets. But if you buy corporate yeah. debt, let's say it's the bonds of a company whose signage we've seen here in the United States, yeah, Luke Oil. If you yeah. buy Luke Oil bonds and Luke Oil defaults, you at least have yeah. a case in a Dutch court yeah. or in a British court, depending on which law it's governed by, and maybe... Yeah. Get, a, get take control of those assets. Exactly. Assets you can attach as well. Thank you so much. As I say, a terrific piece. You need to read it. That's by Eric Schatzkar of Bloomberg Businessweek. Check out the Balance of Power newsletter on the terminal and online. And this is Balance of Power on Bloomberg. Starting out in man-to-man defense. NC State worked on that play yesterday in their practice. Nice early look. You see the UConn starting five. Paige Beckers, AZ Fudd, the number one recruits in the nation back-to-back -back years. Fudd, the freshman, gives UConn another chance here. Williams cut it on a three. And Gina Oriama told us earlier today, Rebecca, watch out. The importance of getting to the glass. Connecticut with a nice offensive board in the last possession. Perez, the rainbow, a little too strong. And Aaliyah Edwards, who was a major factor in the Sweet 16, on the rebound. Williams spins it up and in. Williams trying to find an angle. Brown Turner held her ground nicely. Nobody guarded Kayla Jones, who hits the baseline jumper. First time these teams have met since 2007. An early 5-4 lead for the Huskies. Beckers on the cut, waits, finishes, plus the foul. In the nation as a freshman last season 
Fudd finds some space, unable to hit. Nelson Adota flags it down. Williams will take and hit. Kristen Williams doesn't get the roll. Edwards battling. Jones winning for the Wolfpack. NC State's looked a little disjointed on this end thus far. There it is. Canane. Bucket in the foul as Nelson Adota reached in. Led the team in points, steals, and minutes this She's absolutely held this team down. And Gino Ariamas said he heard her today in a press conference earlier this year. He broke me, meaning her coach, Gino, broke her. And he said, you know, I had to do it. I hate to hear that, but I want her to be successful. I want her to know that when she's on this court in this moment, that she's been through something more. She's built herself right back up to who she is right now. It's beautiful. And I thought he had a great way of sort of bringing a synopsis to that, Rebecca, when he said, would you rather have that moment in practice with just us? Beckers. Perez trying to stay attached to Fudd. Nice, big-to-big big passing. Nelson Adota to Edwards. For Nelson Adota leads the UConn team in assists. She is terrific in the high-low. One of the best passing bigs in the nation. Crutchfield. She got it. Kai Crutchfield lives credible in the fourth quarter and the second half in general against Notre Dame. Westmore said, now we just need to get her to do that all game long as Williams has two more. Brown Turner, guarded by Edwards, drags around, eight to shoot inside of a minute to go in the first quarter of this Elite Eight matchup. Perez fires away hits what a tough shot any whistles so far first three of the game for NC State Nelson Adota oh, nice cut Fudd gets the foul called and AZ Fudd will shoot two both hands spread Fudd misses short Paige Beckers has to encourage her. Hey, keep shooting. You're an amazing shooter. That happens to freshmen sometimes. Yes, it does. Even the most talented ones. Diamond Johnson in off the bench for NC State. Five seconds left in the quarter. Johnson trying to find space. Cuts through. Misses the layup. And that'll do it. For the first quarter, Connecticut leading by two. Taking care of the basketball was the number one key in this game against UConn. Four turnovers thus far for the Wolfpack. Fudd gets some space and cans it. Extending their full court pressure. Nika Mule, the Big East Defensive Player of the Year. Johnson kicks. Boyd dishes. Crutchfield, who had 13 in the second half against Notre Dame. 
Panayin draws the double. Great find. What a cut. Boyd alone for two. Connecticut spent a lot of time in their shoot around today. I think that's why Gino had his arms out like that. Here's Westbrook. Giving it up. Juhais. The little crossover. And flips it in. Off of it. The Big East Defensive Player of the Year. Westbrook gets some space, gives it up. Juhas. Nope. Newell, offensive rebound, and flips it in. Finish it. You've got to exhaust that if you're NC State. Kristen Williams was on Elisa Kinane. Right, no need for that shot yet. No. Westbrook gets free. Timeout in. Certainly feels like Connecticut's defense has been speeding up NC State in the quarter court. Johnson into the lane. Nice setup. Boyd got hit. Surgery this morning at 6.30 a.m. according to his coach Jay Wright and in March Madness any longer. And it just gave me chills when she said that I'm playing for him. Gives me chills to hurry. Beckers after picking up the personal. Mule, ball fake, penetrate, kick, fud. No. Uas, another offensive rebound. She's going to the line. Avina Westbrook had gone over to see Dorka and came away in tears as she went over. This is a Connecticut team that has all season long. He's in coaching. Edwards coming in to shoot the free throws. How much he has been through in the course of his career. Boyd running the floor and gets the whistle. And they do have a seldom used, but she has played in 13 games this season. So that is another blow to their post depth right now for the UConn. This challenge, Boyd now four of four from the line. Fudd stops on a dime and pops it in. She's led them to some pretty impressive places. Fudd gets a look and pans it. AZ Fudd is lethal. Nine points for Fudd. Brown Turner looking for help. Finds it in Crutchfield. Brown Turner being ridden all the way in. Doesn't get the roll. But we'll go to the line to Page last season, AZ this season. But it makes me better. The page is relentless. That's important, right, for a great team. It can't just be the coach who is holding the players accountable. It has to be the teammates as well. But that's the last five for UConn. Beckers will take those two. Just 22 thus far in his first half. And a whistle as Brown Turner goes down over the limit. So Brown Turner, their offensive rating. Then NC State points thus far in this first half. And only 33% from the field. Duchamp, a little too strong. And NC State down just eight, a chance to creep a little closer here. Crutchfield accelerates, curls, and finishes. What a move. Wow. Halfway down. You're not going to get much more open than that after the offensive board. Brown Turner's had some good looks. As Williams answers on the other end. Just couldn't finish it inside. Brown Turner now 0 for 5 from the floor. NC State's 2 for 11 in the second quarter. Beckers got it into Williams, rejected by Kanane. A couple beautiful blocks, the last couple of possessions by NC State on that left side. 2 for 1 opportunity if NC State wants it. 
Panane trying to go quickly, separates and finishes. A slight differential game in shot clock. This has been a nice response from NC State. Well, as much as it's felt like UConn's been in control this half, it's a six-point game. And we've seen all season NC State extraordinarily resilient. Williams wiggling, taking, and can't hit. Jones the rebound. Will Jones get a look off? She does. That'll do it for the first half against Notre Dame in the third in their Sweet 16 matchup against Indiana, rather, as Brown Turner misses the three. Nelson Adota lost the handle. In transition, Brown Turner trying to win the race to the cup. She does on a gorgeous downcourt feed. Swiffer or just a mop? Yeah, it's, it's more Swiffery than moppy, isn't it? It is. Brown Turner given space from Williams. She had been 0 for 6 from the floor before that layup. Kanane one-on-one, -on -one, attacking, winning, plus the foul. The better for them. And completes the three-point play. This entire crowd is on its feet still. Beckers hits the jumper. Shoot. Fudd separates. Can't hit. Nelson Adota on the offensive glass. Couldn't get it to go. Here comes Crutchfield. Kanane and Nelson Adota went down. Crutchfield gets rejected by Beckers. Beckers, pull-up jumper, is good. Beckers, stops on a dime, was stripped by Kanane. Westbrook, no. Let's get an injury update from Holly. Dorky Yuhas has what they're calling a wrist injury now. They'll give us more details at the end of the game, but from what I observed, this does appear to be some sort of fracture. Does not look like she will be able to return, guys. Then you could, and it was not easy to look at. Westbrook, another look from three, rims off. Westbrook very confident, Gino Oriema telling us how much he trusts her on this kind of stage. Kanane, a little too ambitious. Nice play from Westbrook. Fudd attacks the closeout and reverses it in. Evan for the freshman Fudd. Two possessions ago, Kayla Jones had the post, and she was able to score over Westbrook. But man, Westbrook battled the last time down. Brown Turner, finally! Three of 18 in the NCAA tournament before hitting that one from deep. Was 0 for 3 in the Sweet 16. Fine. Oh, what a rejection from Crutchfield. Perez down the floor, Crutchfield blew the layup. Would have tied the game. Beckers leaning and hitting. A three from the floor in this third quarter. Beckers posting up the diminutive Diamond Johnson. Here's Nelson Adota working Kanane. Nelson Adota reverses it in.
senior with four points, five rebounds, four assists. Perez hesitates, kicks. Boyd banks it in. Different Westbrook and Boyd. Here's Johnson. Will fire. And take. Look out if she gets going. She can be a game changer because of her ability to do that, her quickness, step back, get her shots off, drain it. UConn can hold for a final shot here at the end of the third quarter of this Elite Eight matchup in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Knocked away by Boyd, three seconds left in the frame. Page lobs, Nelson Adoda left it short. One point game. Perfect. Seven turnover for UConn. That pass grabbed by Boyd and NC State. Start the fourth quarter. Exact same play. State, the much more veteran team, as Fudd says, that's okay. This jumper doesn't need experience. South Carolina and Stanford have already punched their tickets to the Final Four, and how about this? They are going to leave Nelson Adota on the floor with four fouls as Hong can aim the rebound. We talked about NC State struggling from three. Connecticut is struggling from three as well, except for AZ Fudd. Johnson again! Try and have it happen a fourth time tonight. Williams thought she was getting free throws. She was not. Westbrook will fire and hit. By the way, Paige Becker's out. Nika Mule in for UConn. This was a lineup that worked well in the first half in terms of extending pressure against NC State. Brown Turner pirouetting into a bunny. Said she's playing for her injured boyfriend, Justin Moore. Hurton Villanova's Elite Eight win. Well, she is doing him proud tonight. Fudd, too strong. Rebound. Whacked back. William. She got it! Perez throws it into Muir. On the steal. Williams ahead of the field. Ika Mule, Defensive Player of the Year in the Big East Conference. Getting an easy two for Kristen Williams. Perez bounces in. Brown Turner with UConn up one. Brown Turner couldn't find an angle, but gets a whistle. Brown Turner hits the free throw. How? Brown Turner got them both. And then Sunday, we've got the championship game as Boyd gets touched by Williams. And NC State's going to shoot the rest of the way as they missed it. Boyd hits the second. What a contest. Under five to go in the fourth. Two-point NC State lead. Fudd, seven to shoot. Fudd sees a seam and lays it in. And again. Gives it up. 
Penane working with Nelson Adota, who has four fouls. Penane lays it in. It's been passing and cutting. NC State's been disruptive with that, with their defense. Starting five back on the floor for UConn. They're four for 12 in the paint in the second half after they were 10 for 13 in the first half. Five to shoot. Edwards trying to create. Hops in and finishes. It is. 13 turnovers now from NC State. UConn a chance to reclaim the lead. Fudd gets some space. And hits. How cool is this customer? Mom and dad know it well. Crutchfield had some space, didn't take. Kanane redirects. Two-point UConn lead. Johnson through the lane. Flips it in. What a move from Diamond Johnson. Which players are going to play great and lead their team to the Final Four? Fifty-nine all. Beckers gives it up. Penn to shoot. Back to Beckers. Leaning jumper is money. Two minutes to go. Connecticut by two. Here is Johnson, not afraid of the moment. Johnson can't finish it. Got all the way to the cup, just a tad too strong. And now NC State needs a stop. Timeout, Connecticut. State with Johnson, Crutchfield, Brown, Turner, Kanane, and Jones. Perez remains on the bench at the moment for NC State. She had rushed to the scores table and then come back to the bench. UConn's made four straight field goals. Five to shoot. Beckers looking for daylight. Two to shoot. Edwards doesn't realize it, and Connecticut turns it over on the shot clock violation. That was her shot to take. Johnson controlling the point. NC State down two. Kanane. Gets the catch. Kanane for the tie. She has it. Just because you know she wants to go over that baseline shoulder doesn't mean you can stop it from happening. Tied at 61. Under 50 seconds to go. A trip to the final four on the line. Someone's about to make a memory. Beckers. Into Fudd. Edwards burrowing in, can't finish it. Nelson Adota rejected another chance and a foul. But Nelson Adota at the line misses the first. Second free throw, no good. Rebound Jones, and NC State can hold for a final shot. Jones, Brown Turner, Kanane, and Johnson for NC State. Jones being pressured, here is Johnson. Johnson gonna let that clock wind. 
A trip to Minneapolis is on the line here. 12 seconds left. Johnson with 10. Kanane up high. Johnson with six. With five. Johnson makes her move. Looking for space. Crash field. No. And we have overtime. Up it up. And Perez back in there for NC State. Controls it. So Johnson on the bench. Perez back in for Westmore. Brown Turner finds Kanane. Kanane squeezes it in. That's a tough finish for one of the best bigs in the nation. How many times have we seen her able to finish on that right block when she's guarded well? Now remember, both teams are in the bonus. It does not reset at the start of overtime. So both teams shooting free throws. Nelson Adota on a gorgeous delivery and a chance for three. Nelson Adota, who missed two at the end of regulation, misses another here. UConn is one for eight from the line. If they don't win, that's going to be the thing Gino Auriemma can't sleep about. Perez. About 90% of this crowd on its feet. Beckers swooping through. Gets the whistle. Beckers hits the first. Team from the stripe. Two big ones from Beckers. Lee. Jones facing up. Gives it up. Plenty of time to operate. Brown Turner trying to find an angle and does for two. Williams short. Edwards the offensive rebound. Connecticut was menacing on the offensive glass early in this game. NC State then calmed things down in the second half. Gino Oriama frantically yelling out a play. Shot clock at four. Beckers, you bet! But she's fully clutch. State Connecticut's defense was in frantic mode and they could not get out there in time. Over 60% from three in Crutchfield's NCAA career. This is her 13th tournament game. Beckers again! Connecticut in a zone. Kanane looking to take Edwards, meets a double. What a pass to Jones as she was falling. Brilliant vision, and NC State back in front. On that right block, making the right play, the right time. Decision time after time. I'm guessing Beckers might want to look again. And that is going to be a foul on Kanane, and that's not a wise one from Kanane. Be done here, Kanane, as she's falling, delivers the ball for the easy two. Two free throws for Beckers. Cash. Oh, yeah. 
sophomore star Paige Beckers. NC State down one with the ball. Crutchfield, not that time. Rebound Fudd, tie up. Possession arrow belongs to UConn. He's on the line. A sold out crowd in Bridgeport on its feet. Beckers has the last eight for UConn. Under a minute to go. Here's Fudd. Under 10 to shoot. Fudd carving, dishing, Edwards finishing. State has three timeouts. Will they take one? They will. Nelson Adota guarding her with four fouls. Here's Perez. NC State down three. Crutchfield pops open. Bounces in. Jones taking a lot of time here. Trying to find a seam. She does. Lays it in. Looked like there might have been contact as well. No foul call. It's a one-point game. And now Connecticut will tell. No, just don't want to foul Paige Becker. That's right. Shot clock's turned off. Oh, wow. Foul called right away. Fudd hits the free throw. Watching anxiously. Fudd has them both. Never a doubt. Lead is back. Trailing by three. Here's Perez. Over to Brown-Turner. Guarded by Fudd. Brown-Turner to the corner. Crutchfield got fouled. She got fouled shooting three. And Kai Crutchfield will have a chance. Hammer screen on the other side. Aaliyah Edwards contests. Got the first. Crutchfield. Misses the second. This if you're Crutchfield. She does. One point game. Connecticut ball and Gino Oriema will take a timeout. Gets it into Fudd. You'd rather not put Fudd on the line unless you have to and they might. Fudd evades Kinane. Harassed by Perez. Fudd throws it to Edwards and a timeout taken by Gino Oriema. A lot of time went off the clock. Final seconds against Notre Dame. 10.9 to go. UConn inbounding. Edwards gets it back to Beckers. NC State has to foul. And they do with 6.2 to go at the line. Beckers got them both. Six straight. Here's Perez, four seconds left. Perez floats it, Brown-Turner for the tie! Got it to go! With .3 remaining, Brown-Turner ties it at 77! My goodness, what a contest! The officials just confirming the three here. That's the stoppage. 6.1 is a lot of time. Flare screen by Kinane. Well contested by Beckers. Look at the reaction. What a play drawn up by Westmore and his staff. And the NC State bench goes wild. John is going to need a prayer or it's going to be double overtime. Beckers doesn't get it off. And we have a second overtime to jump it up. 
For the first time in the Elite Eight or later, we have double overtime as UConn wins the tip. Beckers had 10 in the first overtime period. Here's Fudd around the Nelson Adota screen. Patient offensive set. Beckers again! It's in her. She hasn't missed in overtime. Kanane reverses it in. How about the finishes in big moments tonight from Alyssa Kanane? Finished on the other side. And what you're talking about, Rebecca, maybe getting that fifth foul on Nelson Adota or Edwards. Could be a game changer. Alisa Kanane has come through in the clutch tonight over and over again. Beckers has as well. Three-point UConn lead. Kanane wants it. Brown Turner drives it, flips it, can't hit it. Edwards and a foul. He coming. And I said, who? This in the overtime, I think I'm starting to believe it. He throws. She's improved greatly there over 80% this season. Five-point UConn lead. Brown Turner on the attack. The kick. Crutchfield, they need it. They have it. On a three. To live up to that nickname of Kai Crutchfield. Two-point game. That five-point lead a moment ago was the first lead greater than four for either team since the third quarter. Williams denied by Kanane. Looking for help. Flips it out. Fun. No. How about Edwards? Second chance points, UConn in front. Perez, the crossover, the dish. Kanane lays it in. Beautiful breakdown from Reina Perez. All right, beautifully done. Nelson Adota had to come over. Edwards could not get back to Kanane. Elisa Kanane with 18 points, 8 for 13 from the floor. It's a two-point game. Beckers has not missed in the second half. Beckers finally does. Kanane the rebound. A chance for NC State to tie this game up or pull in front. Perez, the veteran leader directing traffic. Jones dumps it in. Kanane couldn't handle it, couldn't save it. NC State turns it over. A little too far away on the pass from Kayla Jones. Basketball game. High level here in Bridgeport. 105 to go in the second overtime. Two-point UConn lead. Fudd gives it up. Williams on the attack. That's going to be a block. Now they can look. You're in the restricted area. Williams misses the free percent free throw shooter, makes the second. It's a three-point game. 54.8 to go in the second overtime. 
Each team with one timeout remaining. Crutchfield around the screen. Brown Turner lost it, got it back, finds Kanane. Perez will take no rebound. Boyd and a foul is called on who? It'll be on Edwards, and that is her fifth. Boyd misses. Second free throw is good. It's a two-point game, two-second difference. Game and shot clock. NC State going to try and pressure into a turnover. Deflection here. Beckers gets it ahead. Williams lays it up and in. It's a four-point UConn lead. 21 seconds to go. Perez with some space. Short on a three. Westbrook out of bounds. And it will be NC State basketball with 13.6 to go. Connecticut worked a lot yesterday on breaking the press. They were able to do it. Kristen Williams gets inside and finishes. Bound. Brown Turner back in that right corner. On the attack, lays it in, two-point game. And now Wes Moore is going to take his final timeout. One of the best passing bigs in the nation. Nelson Adota looking in, looking for someone, has to get it in, finds Fudd. Fudd gets it to the corner. Westbrook finds Williams, and that is the dagger. Williams lays it in, four-point game. The streak lives! Making 14 straight trips to the final four for the Connecticut Huskies. An unforgettable classic. And UConn outlasts NC State 91-87 in the first ever double overtime elite eight contest. What forges commitment? In America's Navy, you'll think about quitting. From the drills, the aches, the cold. But shipmates face every challenge as one. Every push to the edge. Every call to defend. Because out here, we're part of something bigger. A force that never quits. The sea forges commitment in every sailor. America's Navy. Forged by the sea. Discover commitment at Navy.com. There's only one place to find the most recognized brand in carpet, Stainmaster, and that's at Lowe's. Right now, get free basic installation with the purchase of Stainmaster carpet and pad, $4.99 or more. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. Install available in-store only. Requires non-refundable site assessment fee. Fee is credited to final project price if bought through Lowe's. More charges may apply. Not available in all areas. See Lowe's.com for details, exclusions, and licensure. Ballot 219-413, U.S. only. 
This is the FCB Radio Network, home of the best personalities, and where real talk lives. Online at fcbradio.com. FCB. It's your man JB, and I'm in the building. We back, we back, we back, and we live. I'm telling you something, man. You don't want to miss this show today because we talking about all of the tea. Got my man Dario in the building, the King P himself. I call him Reverend Do Wrong, but today his name is Reverend <laughs> Knight. Mr. Liberty himself is in the building. Coming up also in the show, man, we're going to be getting into some deep conversation, catching up with uh, my man who's in the building right now. Joey Beans Little and uh, Grammy, he's a Grammy Award winner, Billboard winner. This man did it all. And also, we got the lovely Coco Brown gonna be in the building, actress and comedian Coco Brown gonna be in the building. Hey, we gonna be talking some deep stuff today, and we talking about that that slap that was heard all around the world, um, right from the Oscars uh, between Will Smith and uh, Chris Rock. Uh, man, that's just mm, interesting. But anyway, I want to get into something real quick. Hey, uh, Darvio, Joe, you know the Browns just acquired Deshaun Watson, superstar quarterback um, from the Houston Texans, as everyone know uh, currently right now. Um, he has been fighting sexual assault and uh, um, allegations. He recently uh, was found uh, uh, before a grand jury. His case was heard before a grand jury. And they decided not to indict him twice. So two different grand juries decided not to indict him, but he still have over 22 pending civil civil cases regarding uh, sexual assault. Um, there has been so many different narratives that have come out about this whole um, situation. And now uh, as football season has begun with trades and free agency, um, the 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 world is really looking at the NFL world is really looking at the Cleveland Browns. They're looking at this whole um, narrative because I want to talk from a different scenario um, and just and just put it's, it's invoking thought. First of all, let me say I believe that anybody, uh, uh, Joe, who violates humanity, any any crime against humanity, should be prosecuted to the fullest if proven guilty. Okay. If you violate, if you violate somebody's rights, uh, they, they, they body or they, they space and you are found guilty and the, and, the, and, the, and the evidence show, the burden of the evidence, the proof of the evidence show that you have done this, then you should be held accountable and prosecuted to the extent of the law that, that, that fits the crime. Okay? I believe that. So I want to clear the air with that. But I want to talk about what I did read since all of these sexual allegations and everything like that. I have read in an article published by uh, the New Yorker and uh, at Glamour, 
a couple articles that was um, um, written, there has been over 200 prominent men based on allegations, except for one person who who I know of, that we know of, which was uh, Weinstein, Harvey Weinstein, who was actually convicted, okay, um, for sexual assault, sexual harassment, sexual misconduct, right? But 200 plus men had to resign from their uh, respective careers, their respective jobs, um, because of allegations. The question becomes, when we look at what's happening with Deshaun Watson, um, me first, let me say this. Two separate law enforcement agencies investigated the sexual harassment allegations, right? My thing is this. If you got two separate law enforcement agencies, they investigate, they collect all the evidence, all the data, phone records, money records, witness statements, and it's all presented to the prosecutor, right? The district attorney, Tom Selleck, says, hey, he presents it to the grand jury. Grand jury come back and say, well, he's not guilty. No, we're not. There's not enough evidence here to indict him. There's no evidence that suggests he uh, did anything that says sexual misconduct or sexual, sexual assault. But yet society says, hey, you are guilty. Is that fair? Should his career be questioned and should his name be stained based on allegations? And that's my question to the fellas. So to me, this is the, uh, you know, the issue that I talked about as well on social media. At some point, you know, yes, 22 allegations, that's, that's quite a bit. But at some point when this has been brought to a grand jury twice, and two times a grand jury has declined to indict, you know, I'm not comfortable with people acting like that should mean nothing. You know, I saw people uh, in the media saying, well, just because the grand jury decided not to indict, that doesn't mean he's not guilty. It's like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> what, is, what are you talking yeah, about? Like the, grand, like, the, like the grand jury chopped suey or something. You know, yeah, that, like it means that ain't nobody. Like, and I got to, like, look, I don't know. I don't know if he did or didn't. I wasn't there, but at the same time, like we can't just sit up here and act like that don't mean nothing. In two different counties, decide not to indict him, and that means nothing. How does that work, I, Joe? I, I got something to say about that, but go ahead, Joe. No, go ahead. I'm gonna let you go. I agree with you, Darvio. But I said this in a post a couple about a week or so ago. I think about a week or so ago, Darvio, you you read that post. I said mm -hmm. specifically, society pick and chooses who should get a second chance, who's guilty, and who's who's innocent, right? Mm -hmm. And and this is what we're this is what we're witnessing now, right? Uh, some of the local organizations that deal with sexual assault and and um, battered women, um, uh, the whole nine here locally have been able to raise an uh, amazing amount of money for their cause and thank God that they got the money. But my thing is this, if he went, if he went before the grand jury, he did not cheat due process. He went before the grand jury. So he was, he was willing to go through the whole process. If they had indicted him, he was going to fight the case. Mm -hmm. Okay? He didn't cheat. 
But we we see in society where the constitutional right that we're innocent until proven guilty has no weight in, in America. It has no weight in our society or in America. Because if it did, then media, then the media would paint it, would would actually talk from that standpoint. Like I've looked at, you know, different ESPN sports analysis, uh uh uh, Stephen A. Smith, much respect to what he's done. You know, he's paid away for a lot of people. Um, I was looking at um, some other guys today and just, just over the over the course of this thing, man. And it seems like these guys that, and like maybe because it's their job and maybe could, for content purposes, you know what I'm saying, Joe? Well, if he's guilty, he should, he, he should, he should, he should be buried under the jail. Well, he didn't, he, he wasn't indicted. He wasn't indicted. And they had 10, listen, they had 10 separate complaints that they presented to the grand jury. So the grand jury had 10 times to say, we're indicting you. And they don't. So that lets me know one thing. Somebody is, is not, there's something going on that don't line up and don't make no sense. Do I believe something happened? Something happened. But the whole, but we don't know what happened and whatever the grand jury saw as far as evidence kind of give us a, give us some intel on what, on what they're seeing and what the narrative that's being painted ain't the narrative that the grand jury saw. Because if he would have got indicted criminally, now you are fighting for your freedom and now you're fighting really for your name. Go ahead, Joe. I'm sorry, man. Go ahead. No, it's all good. Thank you, Jeff, for allowing me to be on this platform yet again. And what I do have to say about this situation is that did something happen? I don't know. I can't say something happened. And what one thing that we, as people always do, we, we know that something happened. We don't know if something happened. There's a lot mm -hmm. of things that I say I don't know. And I don't know because I wasn't there. I didn't read no right. documents or nothing. So... Who knows? Only the court knows. Uh, he's a black man. And you know how hard it is being a black man out here. And you yeah. know if they can hang us out to dry, they will. So that right there, I mean, even with OJ, I mean, they wanted to hang him out to dry, but if you can't do it, you can't do it. So therefore, right. this man is innocent of any criminal charges, period. He's innocent by the court of law as a black man. <laughs> In, in a white racist country, he beat it. So in Texas, dude, in, exactly. So twice, I, he's innocent, <laughs> right? Twice, he's innocent. Just as OJ to me, I don't know what happened, but right. they was they wanted to rail him so railroad him so bad they didn't, they couldn't. Now we have the civil suit, which is some always some bull crap to me, because if the civil suit goes down and they charge him, now he's guilty of civil, and, and people don't think they like he guilty. Because mm -hmm. he's, still on, he's still up for trial for oh. civil. So they're waiting for the civil to go down to say, hey, he, he has to pay. You know what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. of this. Because civil is totally different from criminal. And, the, and people and the, don't know that. They don't know that. Yeah. 
And the guidelines guidelines are totally different. The burden of proof is lower, much lower. Yes, it is. Criminal case. Hey, Joe, I'm glad you said that. You know, there was some media outlets that came out and said, and I think you talked about this too, uh, Darvio. Well, the grand jury is flawed. Well, how is it flawed? That's not his problem. You know what I'm saying? The evidence was presented before the grand jury. That's That's the system we got. Love it or love it or hate it. That's yeah, the it's where Deshaun Watson fought that the grand jury system is flawed. That ain't his fault. Man, <laughs> listen, if this dude was the monster that they say he is, he would have been criminally charged. Now, they, I've seen uh, today they have a disposition where a lawyer was grilling him, and they had it, and it's out here. It came out today, and the lawyer asked him, is it true that you was looking on the internet for different women to massage you? That wasn't licensed, professional, and you have massage, you know, you have all that for your team. You have professional masseuse who tend to each and every athlete that caters to the athlete. Why are you going on the internet seeking out massages with people that are not masseuse or professionals or certified or possibly did? He's blazed like I wasn't aware. Or are you on the internet, you know, getting, well, well these ladies who massage you, did they, were they attracted, were you attracted to them? He said, I can't say that. He said, because that's not what I was there for. Basically, I don't know if they were licensed or not. Hey, they massaged me. I wasn't there for that. I didn't look at them. I have a, a wife or a woman, and that's not what I was there for. So I don't right. know. And so he's going through the disposition, and these are lawyers that's grilling the same lawyers that couldn't convict him. You get what I'm saying? Right. Or, well, I don't know what it was. But at the end of the day, man, in this public, in this world, People have to be careful what they say and allegations that they make towards people because people do rush to judgment. Yes, jobs have put people, made them resign or suspended them or fired them due to just simply allegations. And that's just the way of the world. That's the nature of the beast of human beings in this world that are judgmental. And most of the people that are judging somebody doing way worse stuff and who knows what, maybe. I don't know. But at the end of the day, we live in a judgmental society. And what I always tell people, when we pass judgment on somebody, you pass judgment on yourself. You know? um, And so there it is. No, it's not fair. It's not fair to be judged by allegations. But hey, when your name get out there with something, man, it's tagged. That's just like somebody being tagged as a homosexual or a rapist or whatever. And it's not true. People can come out and be like, they can start a rumor tomorrow about me and you. And we hit. Even if it ain't true to some people, we're hit. So they hear that. Who knows what goes, who knows yeah, we what goes on? We just guilty automatically. Right, right. <laughs> who knows? Because I'm like this. Who knows what goes on behind closed doors? You know? And that's how people be like. So that's why I be like, I don't know, man. Plus, it don't be my business. I'm not a gossiper, so I don't care about, you know, I, I do care about what people go through. But, you know, with this situation, is a very sticky situation. And, yeah, it and, is. And, and, and listen, uh, oh, I'm sorry. The the, the 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 Browns have investigated, did their own investigation, as you NFL saw. NFL did, too. Yeah, and so there it is. This man is not I mean, he he's not guilty, period. Criminally, he's not guilty. And I mean, I feel like if criminally he's not guilty, you should, simply you should not be guilty. But they like to divide that shit up, bro. So that's how it goes.
Hey, man, listen, we got more to come, man. We talking about the Oscars coming up with my girl, Coco Brown, actress and comedian, and my man, Joe Beans Little, is sticking around for more of the Jeff Brown Show. We'll be right back. Go subscribe right now on iHeartRadio, <laughs> Apple Podcasts, or wherever. Listen to your podcast on your favorite listening device. Come on, Joe, let's go uh, pay some bills. We'll be right back. Care has the power to bring kindness where it's needed. It brings out the best in every one of us. It doesn't just see people. It takes time to understand them. It puts the needs of others ahead of its own. And when you start with care, you end up with a very different kind of bank. Truist. Truist Bank, member FDIC. There's only one place to find the most recognized brand in carpet, Stainmaster, and that's at Lowe's. Right now, get free basic installation with the purchase of Stainmaster carpet and pad, $4.99 or more. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. Install available in-store only. Requires non-refundable site assessment fee. Fee is credited to final project price if bought through Lowe's. More charges may apply. Not available in all areas. See Lowe's.com for details, exclusions, and licensure. Valid 219 through 413, U.S. only. These days, it seems like everybody's talking, but no one is actually listening to the things they're saying. Critical thinking isn't dead, but it's definitely low on oxygen. Join me, Kira Davis, on Just Listen to Yourself every week as we reason through issues big and small, critique our own ideas, and learn to draw our talking points all the way out to their logical conclusions. Subscribe to Just Listen to Yourself with Kira Davis, an FCB radio podcast on Apple, on Spotify, iHeart, or wherever you get your your podcast. This is the Jeff Brown Show. What's going on? What's going on? Listen, y'all, you already know what time it is. We're getting ready to jump into this right now. All of the feedback, all of the viral memes, everything concerning what happened at the Oscars between Will Smith and Chris Rock. And I got my family on with me. I got the lovely side of this dialogue or this recap, uh, my homegirl, actress and comedian Coco Brown. Y'all already know what time it is. Uh-huh. Got her beautiful, got her beautiful smile on. I know she probably been dealing with this all day. All <laughs> day. All day. Woke up. So we definitely, definitely want your perspective. Then we got my man Joey Beans Little, the legendary Grammy Award winner himself in the building from the Rude Boys leader, uh, the Rude Boys lead singer of the Rude Boys, legendary R&B group, founded by Mr. Gerald Levert, Cleveland legend, two one six in the building. What a good time! He's good, no, and he's also the owner, CEO of Urbean Joe Coffee, not Urban, but Urbean Joe Coffee. And uh, make sure you guys tap in with him and support the business. But listen, let's jump into this. Ladies first, Coco, yes. what is your take on this? Um, this this slap that's that was saw by around millions and millions of people around the world. You know, I have literally had so many. I've, I've been unpacking this since last night because I, uh-huh. I watched it when it happened. I was laying in the bed, chilling with my glass of wine, watching the Oscars. And I can't lie, when it first went down, you know, when he first said it, you know, I laughed. And I said, ooh, that's Shady Boots. But then when he walked on stage, I honestly thought for a good two minutes or so 
that that was a, a movie slap. You know how they mm. slap and they make the sound effect? Because I didn't see the hand truly connect to the face. Mm. I, I, so I thought it was a movie slap. So I'm laughing like, oh, whoop, we always a skit. But then when they paint and when everything, when all of a sudden everything went blank and then they went to the screen and everything went mute and then they came back on Will and there was no sound, but you could clearly see what he was saying. And I said, wait, uh, this, wait, no, no, this is not a snow. This is not a skit. Right. Um, so of course, uh, I cut my phone off last night because I knew what was about to happen. <laughs> So I woke up this morning to like 20 voicemails, probably about, Jesus, 30 texts. Like, yo, yo. I'm like, okay. I don't know why people tend to, what, what, what it is, it's not even my industry friends that, that'll call me. I mean, if you did, it's mainly, it's mainly the people that don't know that just because I'm in this industry doesn't mean I know everybody. No, I can't call Will and ask him what happened. <laughs> I don't right, know. right. I don't have that ability. But you know, my first reaction was, oh, he snapped. He snapped. Like something, something triggered that because the joke wasn't that deep to me about him saying okay. Jay, Jay thing. I mean, I've been I follow Jade. I watch Red Table Talk. I know she's having this battle with alopecia. I have alopecia. So, you know, I have it on my hair, my edges from wearing braids during American Crime Story. And it ripped out pieces of my hair that never grew back. And I had to go through treatment. So I get it. You know, I felt her pain. Um, mm. But the same token, I laughed because I thought I thought it was a cute reference. I didn't find mm -hmm. it offensive. But also, too, I'm a stand-up comic. It takes a lot to offend me. It does. Okay. It's a lot to offend me because I've been around it all and I've heard it all. Well, let, um, let me ask you a question. Don't you think that, don't you think the, um, is medical conditions off limits? No. No. <laughs> no. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Okay. I, mean, I, have, right. I, have, I have literally, you know, made jokes about, you know, when I cut my hair mad short and people was asking me how long had I been in remission. <laughs> people ignorant. People ignorant. I remember when you cut your hair short. Remember, like when I, that. remember when I shaved my head and cut my hair off and went to yeah, that whole like, I remember that. I people had people you had literally calling me, going, "Oh my God, girl, what kind of cancer you got?" <laughs> <laughs> so it takes. Well, thank a lot God you didn't have cancer. Thank God that was thank you, something Jesus. you wanted. Right? Yeah, but, man. But it was so crazy how. People don't realize how insensitive a comment can be, right. but I'm the kind of person, it would take a lot to offend me and have you like right. come, come for you. Now, in an instance, if you came for my child, that's all another ball guy, babe, you ain't seen Grizzly Bell. Okay. Like right. I'm unloading the clip and putting another one in. Like it's, it's not going to be no negotiations when it comes to mine. But right. honestly, you know, I think that it was a snap, you know, I think he was fed up. If you've read his book, Will, mm -hmm. you understand that this has been a buildup. This man has had to play goody two shoes and America's homeboy for a long time. He's had to turn the other cheek and take the high road for a very, very long time. Right. And I said in my post this morning, and I stand by my post, 
everyone has a breaking point. You just got to hope that you got on the other end of that slap when it happened. And I said that too. I, I made a post about it. I shared a reel on it, you know, and I was saying, I'm, I'm coming to you right now, Joe. I said, you know what? That slap wasn't just about Chris Rock. Mm-mm. That slap was about everything that Will had to endure and, and, and the people he really wanted slap, and he just ain't slapped them. Chris <laughs> was them people. That's probably Chris why took Chris up, hey. he's quiet because Chris knew he took one for the team. Yeah, he knew he took one for the team. Joe, what you think about that, man? I mean, because, you know, I, I, I know what kind of brother you are, man. You know, we from the same hood, and I know we, we think about things kind of differently, man, but do you think that this is going to... Um, be a um how can I say a, a kind of um I don't know maybe a referendum on Will's career now? Uh first of all thank you Jeff for allowing me to be here on your prestigious show. I appreciate your invitation uh for sure. Um and always a great 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 being with you my brother and uh pushing your, bro. pushing your movement. Um just my my first of all um yes Coco said it best. Will has been this good guy. He's given us great contents and movies, mm-hmm. very positive, uh, provoking, mind-provoking movies. He was a rap artist who never cussed, clean music, very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, he has raised a beautiful family, um, a beautiful wife, beautiful kids, smart, intelligent, talented, has allowed them to grow and be whoever, whoever they want to be, you know, mm-hmm. with the grooming of them and teaching them to fit, not fit in, but fit out. Um, and he's a good guy. He's a, he's a, he's a uh, role model to many, to many yeah. uh, actors, um, artists, as far as music or whatever, producers. He's a film producer. He's a writer. I mean, he's an amazing guy. One of the most amazing uh, entertainers of all time, I might add. Um, he's been, he's act, acted great in many movies. So he's also been publicly humiliated by his own wife before about her talking about the size of his penis and he ain't this in bed you know he's also dealt with with that with the august alcina situation which they had already had that together before it came to the public they knew what had went down but then you know jada had no power in containing the young boy and who in which she got into entanglement i guess they call it and that's so, what you she know, called it. That's what she yeah, called it. Yeah, that's what she <laughs> called it. But but regard regardless to that, they had that together. They understood that it happened. But by coming to the public, he agreed to sit down with her as her husband at the table to address it. They was cool with it, but it was embarrassing. And they felt that they needed to answer to this to the public. And so therefore, he had to deal with a lot of memes and, you know, different things, you know, as far as in their life, him looking like, the, the not the dominant person, the alpha male, or the or the yeah. defi- the, the, the divine masculine within the situation. Right. He so looked like, like the sucker and everything. That man like has been masculine right. for so long. Yes, he has. And mac- he just ma- had masculine pretty two shoes right. thing. And the thing is, y'all forget the boy still from West Philly. Right. And so the right. masculine, so so masculine doesn't always mean that you got to be rah-rah. Masculine right. is a man of discernment who knows how to move with like chess moves. 
So he handled, like people keep saying, why ain't go to Arsena and slap him? Because your wife opened up her legs and her world to a man. He dealt with his wife the proper right. way that a man should, and they got through it. So now we're going to fast forward to the Oscars and Chris Rock. Let's go back about five or seven years ago mm-hmm. when Jada protested along with Spike Lee and all them, right. and he made a mockery of her. He said, yeah, Jada, Pinkett, yeah. Jada Pinkett, last time I thought, do she even have a show or a movie? Mm-hmm. Dodgers, she wasn't invited mm-hmm. and made a mockery of the woman in front of the world. Mm-hmm. He's also had other times where he has joked and poked at her. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, Will. Yeah. yeah, and Will. But what I'm telling you is that Will getting up to do that don't got nothing to do with all what he's been through. It's directly what has happened between Chris Rock and what he does to his wife mm-hmm. and what he does to him. It ain't no, it ain't because, oh, the world is down on me and I'm snapping. Forget that. He handled the business of what needed to be done within that point with that particular person who has been poking the bear. Mm, okay. Yeah. Now, I respect people that, that are comics. I really do. Mm. But sometimes people utilize that title to hide behind it mm. and say certain things yeah. and hit people mm. where it hurts. Mm. Okay. So to some people, just because you're a com- com- comic, comic I don't have to respect that fact because I'm living within my real life and you're hurting my feelings and I'm going to let you know, or you're, you're hitting a nerve and I'm letting you know, just because the world look like, Hey, that's what comics do or, and comics are in the uproar right now. Well, dang, we can't even be who we are. No, look, we can't. Everybody, we can't. everybody ain't always playing. But do you think that, Will, y'all think you Will come to a comedy different? show? That wasn't a comedy I show. No, but I'm saying I I heard what you just said. He wasn't the host. No, 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 no. I'm reiterating what you said, brother. I'm saying that that point that you just made applies to that particular moment, but it cannot apply to co- people paying their money to come into a comedy show and a comedy concert and got the nerve to get offended. Right mm. now, and my so, thing is this: mm. as a comedian. We'll open the God. This is another. This box has so many layers. Yeah, yeah, it does. Bill has opened up a platform that we as comics have already dealt are dealing with. That is being constantly censored, constantly trying to be canceled, told what we can and cannot say, what we can and cannot express. Now, yes, you've got a lot of comics out there that don't give a damn, that are just cruel and mean-spirited, that that their whole act is talking about people in the audience and humiliating them. I'm not one of those comics. I told Jeff, and Jeff knows me, I have one rule in my show. You can enjoy my show or you can be my show. That choice is yours. But what this situation has done for the comedy world is not that it shed light on Chris Rock stepping over lines because in the immortal words of Charlie Murphy, we are all habitual line steppers. That's what we do, okay? Mm -hmm. What he's done is he's now every little fool out there that wants to go viral, that wants to get some likes, is possibly now going to try a comedian and walk on stage and try that crap. And that's subjective. That's And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm trying to tell people, there are a lot of comics that do not take them as jokes. I know comics on stage with their pieces. I know comics who are still active members of Crips and Bloods. You Mm. might not want to do that, homie. (laughs) Mm. Can I finish? Can I finish? 
Can yeah. I finish though for real? But I respect you because you're a comedian, and of course you're gonna protect your craft. That's real. I'm a singer. Yeah. I'm an entrepreneur. Whatever. So I don't. My life is not constructed of making light or making people laugh sometime at, at your expense. So everybody can't take that. But what I'm saying is, it wasn't the people didn't pay for comedy to come in there. Right. It wasn't a comedy show. He wasn't even the host. He was a presenter. And so he used that time before as a host to address and put Jada in a comic move. And she ain't even in the building, which is cool, you know. And then so at, hold on, hold on, Joe. Because at the time he was the host. In 20, that was like 2014. Back then, and back he talked about some people that wasn't even there who put up a, a legitimate protest, okay? Spike Lee, her, and some right. other people. But he, he really elaborated on her. He ain't elaborate on Spike Lee or the other people. He's like, Jay, the last time I thought she ain't even got a show or a movie. Right. He so took a, it's he like took this, a this, shot he at wasn't her. even invited. So why protest? I just think that that was unnecessary. But if he want to tap around, dance around the white people to do that and to make yourself look good, that's cool because that, that wasn't cool back then. People didn't like that. Again, he said some things off the record. Nobody came to the Oscars to pay. They didn't pay for a comedy. Yes, Will and Jada has opened up their life. You know, when you're an entertainer, I myself to accusations, to comic, to everything, You your life is open book. And it comes with the territory. So I understand that. But, hey. Well, when they, hire, when they hire a comedian to host yeah. or present, they, want them they expect to them comedy. to get up there and recite the Constitution. Yeah. Well, but, they right. hiring but, 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 but you don't they keep hiring going. You keep going, but you still keep going for a certain person, though. No, no, and no. It, I'm it, not defending right. that. I'm saying, but they, right, right. No, the comic I'm, is I'm, hired. I'm, they're hired to be funny. Yeah, they hired to be so funny. Let me say something. But, but they're, they're, I mean, I, I never will get to finish what I've got to say. Oh, no, and go I'm going to land my plane. I'm about to land my plane. Because I don't want to dominate. I want to ask you a question about what you're saying. Go so ahead, you're man. saying because from the perspective of you're saying that he wasn't the host because I'm, I'm gonna be honest I've been watching clips of the Oscars so mm. I thought he was actually the host when he made no, that comment no so no. he wasn't even open it. that was the beginning he was a presenter he was yeah. presenting and then right he so you don't have facts a lot of people don't even know the facts and they out here talking you know what I'm saying no, that's when real he hosted when he made the comments about the protest. The I first time. That. But right. last night, he was merely presenting the award for best documentary. Right. So he went off and just did that. He, I mean, he could have, yeah, they hired him to maybe do that, but they ain't had nothing to do with that. He could have referred to something that went to that. It's just, he could have, but I can't tell Chris Rock what to do. Okay. So if Chris Rock, put something out there over and over again about his wife, and then he chooses this night to go for her when it ain't got nothing to do with what he's doing, he now has placed the narrative into Will Smith and Jada's hand. He no longer controls the narrative once it's out of his mouth and is out there. Mm -hmm. So now the narrative changes into Will Smith. Yeah. Will Smith smirked, laughed, but everybody said he was laughing at the joke. Now that's a laugh like, damn, this really do this? <laughs> Am I right, Coco? No, no, no. Brother, let me reiterate that. Like I said, I spoke to someone this morning that is very close, very close to that family. And I was like, oh my God, the fallout, you know, what's going on, you know? And it was told to me 
that a conversation was had days ago between those two men Mm. where it was asked to please refrain from talking about my wife. Don't say anything about my wife. She's been going through a rough time. I just want her to enjoy the night. And somebody went out there and chose violence. Right. So he had, <laughs> so check that. Check this out. Wow. So he he gave him a shot, and then Chris basically like, man, forget you. I'm gonna do what I do. I'm an artist. So therefore, the narrative is now in control of Will. He got up. He he laughed. He he, he he's laughing during the joke. <laughs> Real this dude gonna do this. Here you go. No, he hit him with a Denzel from training day. <laughs> right. He like, for real, like, he laughing like, <laughs> for real, dude. He hit he him with up, a training day. He got up, straightened his suit out. Listen, he got up, straightened his suit up, walked up there with swag as a gentleman, slapped him, turned around, straightened his shit back up, and smiled and smirked as he walked away after the slap. When it sat down, Chris Rock still wants to crack jokes. Now, he's still trying to get up off. He's like, oh, I just been slapped by Will Smith. Oh, you want to, he's keeping on telling, he's really still joking because he want to get laughs off getting smacked. He's very clever. So he's going to use the smacking to get jokes. And Will made the statement by smacking him. Now it's time to put a stamp on it. Keep my wife's name out your MF mouth. Mm -hmm. I reiterate. Keep my wife's name out your MF mouth. to me when I, right. heard, I heard this morning. Right. And, and so said, he said it twice. Home, and Chris Rock said, it. and Chris Rock said, I will. The police came to Chris Rock, asked me when to press charges. No. But there's no. the checking. There's the checking in public, no matter how. People like, well, we can't go nowhere. And, and they ain't going to let us back. No. They, it ain't about that no more. Little you know, I, here's, here's, I, here's my take on it. Here's what I think about this, though. And I've and I've been and I and I hear what you're saying, Joe, and I hear what you're saying too, Coco. Do and I'm gonna take it from this perspective. If that had been a white man that will smack, mm, yeah. I think his career be over. But if was if what if is if, and who are you to say if? See, people keep saying if this, if that. Well, no, because this, I'm talking about none of that matters, Jeff, because we in no, the press, no, you people. got to be here's what I'm saying, what I'm saying, Joe. You ain't got to, you got to. <laughs> no, this, no, no, listen, here's what I'm saying, what I'm saying, bro. I'm saying that because now here's the here's the narrative of blacks on a on a on a national and world platform acting out. I get it. I think Will could have handled it differently because now you got two brothers that are prominent men mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on the Oscars mm-hmm. acting out. I get it. You're right. As a presenter, read the page. Kanye walked on the stage with a white woman and snatched her award and talked. I ain't talking about I get you. I'm talking about I'm talking about the Oscars. I'm not talking about the American Music Awards. But you're talking talking about about, ifs. No, no. Listen what I'm saying. The (laughs) narrative when when it comes to black people, we are already looked at in a certain type of way. That's just real. We will never okay. be looked at in any other way. Right. So, so it's not new. I don't, I, I don't understand we why we are. act like this, this situation set us back. I don't understand why we're acting like this has embarrassed us. This No, no. no. My thing no. is part of who we are is upset what we black do. on black crime got done in front of company. That's all we mad about. We saw, we know black and black, black on black crime exists. 
We just mad that black on black crime got exposed in front of company in dress shoes. Right. So check out, like I said, <laughs> and, and you want to focus on the art or Oscars, but you want to make it if, if. So no, mm-hmm. Kanye went on the stage with a white woman that won the award, snatched her award and was like, Beyonce got a better album, whatever, whatever. And that, that, it was very disrespectful. It wasn't a of slap. Of course. And he it wasn't a slap. Him. But he didn't do that to a black person. He did that to a white person. A white woman. And he's still not canceled. Now, he got canceled from the Grammys for talking stuff to deal with, with, with calling something named to somebody else. There's a person of color with the dude right. that his, his ex-wife, his wife is with, is a person of color. He's not a white person. So he didn't, right, he, right. he is. Some people consider him. So he's doing what he's doing in the Grammys. Cancel him. Do you think he cared? No. Will Smith, even if they want to cancel him, he does independent movies under his company. And he did, he got an Oscar off streaming, not a movie theater. Okay. That's a great feat. It was a night that he won. He came up there and he did his speech, a very eloquent speech. He apologized to everybody but Chris Rock because what he did, like I said what I said, I did what I did, and I'm unapologetic because this is it. The king protects the queen because the queen has exalted the king to be a king. She has submitted her life to him no matter what she done in public. And we he all fall short of the glory of God. Stop thank you. And he, and he has protected his household. He protect his daughter who cut off all her hair to stand by her mother who's very uncomfortable and in pain going through what she's going through. Mm-hmm. And he's the king. And if the king chooses to slap the shit out of somebody, he does it. He's not thinking about black on black. Mm-hmm. He's not thinking about white on white. He's mm-hmm. thinking about protecting his kingdom. Mm-hmm. And that's what that was. It has nothing to do with all what he's been through. It's about to do with a, a, a guy that has been poking. And he right. handled it. And and he put the whole world on notice. Basically, keep my wife's name out your mouth. You know, I know I got land. We got land to play. I think we on club. I got land. I play right. We on clubhouse. But uh, <laughs> hey, Coco, that was some um, great insight. So, in other words, based on what happened, how this thing played out, mm-hmm. according to the sources that you talked with mm-hmm. or spoke with. Hey, they had a conversation. Yeah, he violated the agreement. Apparently, that you know, keep my name, my wife's name out your mouth. He might not never agree. And the thing is, I am really, like I said, I am not. Do do not quote me on this. This is merely what was told to me because it's giving backstory to 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 how someone who is America's homeboy could snap at the most craziest inopportune time as the Oscars. Was it a snap? Was not protecting? No, no, I get that. I, I, I believe he was protecting. I believe he was respecting. I was believing that he was demanding respect. It killed me how I woke up this morning and it was all these brothers. It wasn't no woman. It was men saying, "Oh, can't be a black woman now. Gonna be hollering about husband goes." I'm like, first of all, that's y'all saying that because ain't none of us said that. I said, mm-hmm. but funny how y'all are quick to want to backpedal because you know you could never have the balls to do the same for your woman. Because that's what you're doing. You're backpedaling. Because my thing is this. No, I don't want my man to jeopardize his life, his livelihood, his his career. For for me, no. I don't want my man to do that. But at the same token, if I don't feel protected by you, that you will defend me. Yeah. And you will stand up for me. I can't be. That's all what they've been through. And And all that I saw 
And, and it's like, you know, so that's a problem. You will let somebody disrespect your woman, talk crazy to your woman. And yeah, it doesn't have to be handled by a slap, but you're telling me you wouldn't address it. You wouldn't check somebody. You show me it's a lot of spineless men out here that do not understand the situation at hand is that right. the majority of black women do not feel protected by the black men. Y'all want to hear your moan about what, sisters going to white men, Kamala going to a white man, and, and Kataji with a white man. Why they got to be white men? Because we're tired of being at a table where love is no longer being served. And we want and we want to be included. Check this out. The same awards that she boycotted, she was invited this year, and yep. he wasn't a host. And her husband walked away with the top, the top trophy of the night. And she and protested. The party party. So you can protest the Oscars and still get love. You can slap a, a mother, a MF, and he will be back again. <laughs> and they will be invited. Really? Because wow. at the end of the day. No one cares. <laughs> this is what it is. Give it three, what three, what three, three to six days. We're gonna be over it. Yeah, be three up. But listen, man. Some new gonna happen. Right. Listen, listen, man. I want to thank y'all, man. It's been a dope conversation. The lovely Coco Brown in the building. My man Joy Beans Little. Make sure you guys tap in with them. Y'all can follow them on Instagram. Where Coco? Coco Brown, one funny mama. Just put in C-O-C-O-A, the letter B. You'll see me pop up with the blue check, baby. And we can follow Mr. Joey B's Little Where on Instagram. Joe, Joe on Instagram, Joe Little, Rude Boys with the S, official. And go to Urbean Joe Coffee, UrbeanJoe.coffee and get some of that black thong coffee, y'all. <laughs> go ahead down. Listen, we'll be right back with more of the Jeff Brown Show, man. This conversation was fire. Be right back. Care has the power to bring kindness where it's needed. It brings out the best in every one of us. It doesn't just see people. It takes time to understand them. It puts the needs of others ahead of its own. And when you start with care, you end up with a very different kind of bank. Truist. Truist Bank member FDIC. There's only one place to find the most recognized brand in carpet, Stainmaster, and that's at Lowe's. Right now, get free basic installation with the purchase of Stainmaster carpet and pad, $4.99 or more. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. Install available in-store only. Requires non-refundable site assessment fee. Fee is credited to final project price if bought through Lowe's. More charges may apply. Not available in all areas. See Lowe's.com for details, exclusions, and licensure. Ballot 219-413, U.S. only. This is the Jeff Brown Show. And we're back and we're back. Listen, man, that was a dope conversation with my girl, Coco Brown. You know, it's always great to get a woman's perspective when it comes to, you know, situations that are very controversial. You know, the Will Smith and Chris uh, Rock situation. Um, Some reports came out today that uh, Diddy confirmed that Chris Rock and Will Smith um, did, you know, um, come back, you know, come together. Um, they settled their differences and they consider themselves brothers. And um, if that's true, good, man. Listen, more power to them. Um, but, you know, when you talk about the pressures of being a public figure, you know, you talk about this too, you know, Joe, and you already know how that go. Um, your life's going to always be scrutinized. People will always look at you 
You know, everything that you do is magnified 1,000, 1 million times over. And um, it's just, and this is just one of them situations, um, you know, to to be true. And, uh, you know, I, Darvio, I didn't, you know, I didn't really, we didn't really get your take on it. Um, I saw some of your tweets uh, the other day. <laughs> Darvio. <laughs> well, Darvio, yeah, I and, tweet, uh, boy, you tweeting your ass off, boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and as a matter of fact, while we've been uh, recording this show, I got a new article that just dropped a Red State titled, I Agree with Will Smith. So that tells you pretty much where where I'm coming from with it, and especially congratulations on hearing, that. You know, uh, after hearing that 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 information as well, like, look, man, at the end of the day, you know the situation. They know each other personally. If they had a conversation, like, yo, you know, chill, and you don't, hey, you know how it is. For some brothers, it's on site. <laughs> so. You know, I ain't mad. People acting like right. they being all outraged. They acting like he did a drive-by or something. It's like, come on, man. Dude got slapped. It is what it uh, is. At the Oscars. Right. <laughs> man, you know what I said? You know what I was going to do, though, dog? I was, I was having a conversation with one of my best friends. And he was saying to me that, Jeff, this is this and the Kanye situation with Taylor Swift, which you mentioned earlier, Joe, um, is probably the biggest controversial uh, events that probably has happened or incidents that have happened on major platforms. So I said I was going to research that because we live in a viral society, right? So we got social media, we've got all this different stuff that's going on and um, I just feel like with us having these different things, you know, access to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, it, it it magnifies everything 1,000 times over, right? So something may have happened, maybe bigger, that happened during a different era that was big back then. But right now, I think that the Will Smith, Chris Rock incident probably is the... <laughs> it's so Listen, it's the greatest, it, it, it's the mo- it would probably be the most talked about in history highlight of the Oscars or any award show. I mean, yeah. because you, you got a, a public checking in front of the world, bro. Chris Rock children had to see that. You know what I'm saying? You know, and and, and yeah, stuff you know. And, you and his wife. That. Yeah. He not married no more, though. I think he divorced. So oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But you know, ex-wife. So, you know, we just have to be and, and, and I, I mean the, the the comedians in their world, you know, they 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 kind of tripping out because they they like they trying to censor us or whatever. So no, nobody's gonna censor you. Choose to do jokes, do it how you do it. Just understand that hey, everybody ain't playing sometimes. Everybody ain't playing. Com- no, especially <laughs> when they have a conversation with you. No, yeah, when there's a that's what makes it work. Yeah, yeah. 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 Allegedly, we don't know for sure, but we but we, but we allegedly, have- if you have everybody, everybody yeah. on this call, if you had a conversation with somebody man to man, like yo, don't prior do to, and they do it. And everybody, everybody on here is gonna respond. Is gonna oh, get you go listen. It ain't even no conversation because you. What you telling me is you don't have no respect for me, no respect or for my, me or my yeah. wife, my right. kids, or anything. Because here's the reality: what what we what what we didn't talk about, Joe and Darvio, his kids was there. Will right. Smith's kids were there. His right. children. They. I mean, they're they're grown now. They're teenagers now, but. They were there. 
So they're in the building when this man broke out. And I, like you said, Joe, we don't know if Chris Rock agreed or not, but allegedly from sources that's close to the, situ to the situation and to the family said, hey, they, you know, there was, there was a conversation had Davey Pryor. Hey, don't do this, don't do that as it relates to my wife and my kids, my family. And the dude right. violated. Okay, so guess what? Now, you, I'm gonna deal with you the way I'm gonna. You did it, but you, it's on me now. Yeah. Whatever I do, it's on me now. What I do to you now, after that, it's on you. And then we can go and do what we need to do. Spirit, you know what I'm saying? So when you violate like that, then guess what? Then you leave that. You left that man no choice. And, and like you said, uh, Joe. Will didn't walk up there stumping his feet, mad. He walked up there with all confidence, like he was about to go get in the war. <laughs> and he, hey man, yeah. and smacked that man in his mouth. That's, I mean, at the end of the day, I get it, I understand it, and you know. At the end of the day, I want to see slow motion. I want to see the connection, though. <laughs> hey, I do want. Hey, I want to see it too, man. You got. Hey, yo, we got to I'm toxic. Hey, I do want to see. The, I want to see the hey, taste. If, no, but listen, they got a picture. Bit. They got a meme right now of Chris Rock when he will smacked him. What his face looked like when his face turned when he smacked him. And they said, they said that was Chris Rock before picture, and then his after picture was when he was in. Um, he was the crackhead and uh, I seen that with the stuff around his mouth. I seen that, man. Hey, hey man, what movie was that again, know, man? What we do know is that the internet is undefeated, bro. Man, that internet is something serious, bro. Cause they said that man, <laughs> man listen. <laughs> I can't think of what movie that was. I'm I'm I had a brain freeze, man. What movie was that? Was that was that New Jack City? Yeah, he was New Jack. Yeah, was was they got the meme out this. They said, uh, somebody, uh, what's his name? Someone help me. They trying to kill me. <laughs> man, they got a meme out there, man, that say Chris Rock before and after. Hey, dude, I'm going to tell you something. If they did, and this is, I'm going to close on this one. If they had a conversation behind the scenes and Will asked him not to do something, if that's true, if that comes to be true, then Chris Rock got what he deserved. I'll say that much. I will go that far. That dude, you have been warned. Like, don't right. do this. She going right. through this, that weird, weird man to man conversation. And so, I mean, it, it, with, with Will doing something like that, people say he snapped. He didn't, that, that didn't look like a snap to me. That looked like a brother that was ready to protect his right. kingdom. Like I well, said. If, I, listen, now more and more I think about it. And, and you know, like I said, having this dialogue with you and Coco. And you know, and Darby, oh, listen, man. If that is to be true, and they had a previous conversation before before the other night, before Oscar night, and he still violated that conversation, I'm with you on that, bro. Yeah, <laughs> hey, listen, and hey, listen, I'm with you on that, man. Listen, y'all, thank y'all for tuning in. We got to get out of here, man. We can talk about this all day long. Listen, make sure you guys go subscribe right now on iHeart, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast on your favorite listening device. Make sure you guys go check out my man, Joy Beans Little. Go follow him right now on Instagram. Uh, uh, go connect with Irving, Joe Coffee .com. Order you some, man. No, Joe.coffee. 
that, oh, I'm sorry. There you go. He got me all the way together. One thing I love about my big brother, he always gonna correct me. He always give, he do what I love though. And this man is eating a, a bacon and egg sandwich. Oh you no. Slander. <laughs> Not slander. You know I don't eat meat. I know you don't eat meat. That's why I said that. <laughs> that was this is a, 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 a impossible burger that I made myself. Oh, he got a oh he got a vegan burger. Okay, well listen, there you have it. He got his impossible <laughs> burger. The people gotta watch what they up. say, man. Uh, I'm about to get good, good job. I'm about to digitally slap you. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, we out of here. We love y'all. Peace and blessings to you. The FCB Radio Network, first-class broadcasting worldwide. Class is in session, sometimes in person, sometimes online. Pear Deck helps educators create powerful learning moments for every student every day, no matter where they're learning from. Start for free at PearDeck.com. I like to cook on the Big Green Egg. Why? It's impressive and everything turns out great on the Big Green Egg. If you don't have one, you got to go to Wasi's Meat Market and get a Big Green Egg. They have the lowest prices in the country. They also have all the accessories. They even have a classroom set up to teach you all the basic techniques on the Big Green Egg and advanced techniques on the Big Green Egg. When you get the Big Green Egg from Wasi's Meat Market, there's a lifetime guarantee. So check them out. It's Wasi's Meat Market. Check them out on Instagram or just go to their website, Wasi's Meat Market in Melbourne on Wickham Road. It's Wassie's Meat Market. Welcome, 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 everyone. Welcome back to another meeting of Game Pass Anonymous. I am your host, Patrick the Law Morris, and I am addicted to Xbox. Uh, joining me this week is my friend and co-host, t- the tenacious Tim Miller. Well, hello there. I'm also addicted to Game Pass, and it is a big problem. It is. Little, little, just a little bit. Uh, coming up on this week's meeting of Game Pass Anonymous, we will be ranking every iteration of Xbox in a tier list and discussing them to determine which is an S-tier Xbox. Uh, But before we get to all that, I want to talk about what we've been playing. Tim, tell me what you've been playing. So I've gone back to the past this week. Um, Now that they are all out, I have been visiting the Pixel remasters of the Final Fantasy games. I have completed one, and I actually just completed two last night. So that's been my week. Wow, very nice. So the what platform are you playing those on? Uh, Steam. Oh, okay. Yep. All right. And so it was Pixel Remasters of 1 and 2. And then 
Final Fantasy didn't split up until it got to Japanese three is North American six. No. Okay. So Japanese one is Final Fantasy one in America. Japanese two and three never came here. Then American four is actual. Sorry. American two is actual four. And then five didn't come over here. And then six came over as three here to America. Oh, so because I thought Final Fantasy VI was the good one. It is, which is Final Fantasy III here in the West. If oh. you played it on the original Super Nintendo. Okay, and but on the original Super Nintendo, there never was a Final Fantasy VI? Correct. It was just one, two, and three over here in the West. Okay. Which, so which are they, technically one, four, and six. Then they just kind of ripped the bandit off and said, we're just calling them yep, the just, same number yep. in every region yeah we're just going to seven okay and then seven was also supposedly really really good it was amazing and then eight and nine were both pretty good eight was eight was meh nine was phenomenal and then 10 i know a lot was, of people love again really good yeah. and then it just started to go downhill from there uh so but you liked 15 quite a bit i thought it was all right yeah looking back on it i don't love it as much as i did when i originally played it Okay. Objectively, and, it's not a great game. Okay. So, um, so you liked, but so fifteen was okay. But you're pretty stoked for sixteen. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Especially considering they're going back to more of a medieval high fantasy style. Yeah, it, so. sixteen looks like a pretty major departure as far as like stylistically. It, it they've they've settled into the whole like. Seven was the introduction of the like steampunk aesthetic, and then they went back to it with ten. They kind of broke away from it for eight and nine, and went back to it with ten, right? Like uh, eight kind of fall. Eight kind of followed the same thing. Okay, but but that was like, and that's basically been what they've been doing since ten, right? Essentially, twelve kind of was not that much, but okay. I'll say I'm, I don't haven't spent as much time with that one to say for sure. Interesting and. Is Final and I, you're gonna have to pardon me, but yep, of course. Is Final Fantasy all in the same canon? No, no, they're all their own like little separate stories. Generally, really, there's no yeah. connection at all. I Correct. mean, obviously, like ten to ten two, there's connection. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you've got like thirteen, like, 13 lightning 13, returns, 13, all of those games that share the same number are within the same yeah. canon. But but, but like, they're all their no own connection. separate storylines. Yeah. No. Wow, that's. <sighs> And so, so what makes them all Final Fantasy games? Just the name. Just the really. name and the gameplay style? Yeah, pretty much. Wow. Interesting. It's just huh. the uh, the clout at this point. And so so you played 1 and 2. Yep. Which are Japanese 1 and 2, or is that 1 and 4? So Japanese 1 and 2. The actual okay. 1 and Final Fantasy 1 and Final Fantasy 2. Okay, and and... How do those rank for you amongst the others? Um, one, I'd place actually pretty high, probably in mm. like the top third. Two is absolutely the worst I've ever played. It is absolute garbage. Was this your first time Never. playing two? It's my first time finishing two. Okay. Not the first time I've played it. Oh my god, it has so many problems. <laughs> Man, I mean, it was. It's. I can't like knock on it too much because it's early adventure game. They were still trying to figure out the whole RPG elements. Mm-hmm. and they just they messed with the the upgrade system too much 
it's based on how much damage you take and how many hits you do to enemies and whether you use your magic or not. That's how you level things up by using it instead of just a standard level system. And then because of that, they just increased the amount of uh, encounters by like two, threefold from Final Fantasy one. So you walk like 10 steps, you're going to get an encounter. And oh, it's, that's uh, annoying. And it's a drag. No max repels. Yeah, no, you're you're pretty much in it to win it. Oh, God. Um, okay, so, and then one, though, is that's the one that, uh, what's the new game? Chaos. What's the newest one? With uh, the guy who, like, there's there's a game that came out, like, last week. Oh, yeah, 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 um, Origins or whatever. I know which one you're talking about. I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, and... and it's the Dark Souls-esque one. And they that one ties into one. That's like another perspective of Final Fantasy One. Final Fantasy Stranger of Paradise. That's Stranger of Paradise. Is. Thank you. And yep. that's like another perspective of the same story of Final Fantasy One, right? Something like that. I think it's. I've heard that it's not a remake, and it's but this it it is the same story, and it's just basically told from a different perspective. Is what I've heard, or at least how I've interpreted it, but yeah i mean according to this here it's like it's not a prequel to any of the games but it's more of a spin-off set in the same world as one okay so interesting so are you gonna play that because you love the I, souls games and you love final I, fantasy i'm gonna pick it up when it's on sale okay so it's like uh, a 30 dollar game to you yeah i i've heard um some like okay things about it yeah yeah, it yeah i've heard okay. some okay i've heard some okay things about it so like nothing that's been like okay i gotta go buy this day one but uh interesting but yeah i'll probably pick that up eventually nice all right well how about um, you what have you been playing i uh, so i have i played quite a bit of forbidden west over the course of two days last weekend Very i'm nice. Did getting you finish it i'm really really close okay um, i have like three or four main quests left uh and it's one of those situations where it's like i'm not like in love with this game the way I was with Red Dead, where it was like, in Red Dead, I knew I was getting to the end. Like, Red Dead Redemption 2. I knew I was getting to the end, and so I would just, like, I was just, like, trying to elongate and make everything last as long as possible. Oh, wait wait on that. Wait on that. We're going to wait for that until we're okay. discussing. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, I was... So, in Red Dead Redemption 2, I was, like... I knew I was getting to the end, and so I would be, like, riding my horse, and it would be getting dark, and I would just, like, stop and camp for the night and look up at the stars with my with my horse and just, like, hang out. Um, so I'm, I'm not, like, trying to soak in Forbidden West that much, but I am, like, oh, this gameplay is great, and, like, I'm really enjoying this game, so I am going and doing, like, random other shit. So, like, side quests and jobs and, you know, hunts and whatever that I haven't done, I'm going to, like, I'm I'm just trying to elongate the game in that way and doing all of those. Uh, but I, th- I think tomorrow will be the day that I just, like, okay, I'm just going to finish this up and dive in and, and, uh, and do every, and just finish those, like, mainline those four quests. Uh, so I'll, I'll probably have more to say about it next week. Um, but... Uh, I played just a little bit of Tunic, and you and I talked about that on your stream the other night, but 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it it came to Game Pass. It's pretty obtuse, I feel like. I'm not in love with it the way it seems a lot of other people are. There are a lot of design choices that I just don't agree with that don't make for a fun, friendly user experience. Agreed. It's, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, like, the the lack of language, I think. That is probably my biggest gripe with the game. I'm glad they tried to make their own language with it, but give me subtitles in English so I can read things to figure out what the fuck they do, instead of just, oh, I'm going to use this in the wild, and, oh, I hope it does something useful. Yeah, it's a cool idea, but I think that it's a cool idea that's implemented into a game that's already too hard. Um because like the combat on the surface you would not look at that game and expect it to have very difficult combat but it does and and i think that the um i think that the level of combat that would match or the level of difficulty that would match the level of obtuseness that that game has uh, would be like a Kirby game, right? Kirby games are yep. stupid easy, which would make it more like, okay, I'm going to focus on this puzzle and and like this, you know, trying to figure out this language and the language being a part of the puzzle solving would be very fun. Uh, but because that's not the case, um, it's a little bit trying, I would say. Oh, yeah. I think... As far as combat goes, I don't know about you. Does it feel delayed at all on it, some of your button inputs? I'm not at times delayed, but just a little sluggish. Like just kind of like I'm stuck in the mud. Yeah, um, like I'll like being a, I'll be attacking, and then it's like, all right, I got to finish the entire animation from the attack in order to roll, and by that point, it's already too late. And that just, I don't know, it just feels a little unresponsive at times, and in, in yeah. cases like that. It's it just feels like your your feet are much heavier than they should be. Um, I mean, you're a fox, right? You should be pretty quick and nimble. And and I'm not trying to like hate on this game or anything. Uh, it's just not what I was expecting, and that's fine. Uh, but it's also it's also not for me. I'm gonna keep tra- plugging through it because I I do want to finish it. But yeah, I mean, I, I I might I might give it another shot, but. I only played but like, like after hour. playing two, three hours of it, I mean, I'm not ready to hoist this game up onto any pedestal. Yeah, I no. agree. I agree. It's not a reason to buy an Xbox the way I was expecting it to be, which is sad. Agreed. Um, and then I dipped back into Gran Turismo 7 to work on an article just to confirm a few things. Uh, that game is fucked right now. Yeah, from what I've heard, they either, they what, the points that you gain from after finishing a match have gone down dramatically, so the most effective way is to purchase cars now? Yeah, so... Something like that? Race payouts went way down, car prices went way up, and so now the whole thing is a grind, and, oh, guess what? Super easy to top up your credits, just... Spend 20 bucks and get... Good old microtransactions. Yeah, and and I mean, I published a piece uh, earlier this week just about, like, the ethics of doing that, the ethics of weaponizing software patches. So, basically, Sony sent me this review code, and, and I got to play the game, and the game I got to play was honestly fantastic. Like, it was incredible. But 
that's not the game that's out there anymore. People bought this game and it is not the game that I played. And so, um, so I wrote this piece about like the weaponization of software patches and how it's, um, kind of not cool what they did. And, and it's pretty uh, sketchy ethically. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like what they did. And I dipped back in just to confirm a few things because I had been hearing about this, but it was like, you know, I, I played that game for like 40 hours before it came out. I'm kind of done with Gran Turismo seven at this point. Um, but I, I did go back to it just to make sure. And it's exactly what everyone is saying. So, uh, that sucks. Um, but that's a whole lot of talk about PlayStation. This is an Xbox show, and it's time for the topic of the show. All right, topic of the show. We're going to be uh, doing a tier ranking. We have a tier list of all the major iterations of Xbox consoles. Now, what that is, is the original Xbox, the Xbox 360, the Xbox 360 S, the Xbox 360 E, the Xbox One, Xbox One S, Xbox One X, and Xbox Series S, and Xbox uh, Series X. So, without further ado... Let's start with the original Xbox. Now, don't, don't, uh, let's not put our places in, let's not put our pieces in place until we're good and ready. Uh, But let's start with the original Xbox. I know that you don't have a ton of experience with this thing because you didn't play it until after, I think until after its heyday, right? Oh yeah, it was well into the 360 era before I even got my hands on an Xbox. Okay, so... Um, I mean, it it was released on November 15th of 2001, uh, at least in North America. It was released early 2002 in the rest of the world, uh, discontinued on March 2nd, 2009, which that is wild to me. I had no idea. Yeah. I mean, so it was seven years, three months and 15 days. Um, I bought the original Xbox when I was in elementary school. And I had no idea that that thing went until I was almost done with high school. Uh, that I mean, so that's that's just wild. Um, it launched some notable launch titles were Halo Combat Evolved, Project Gotham Racing, and Dead, Al- Dead or Alive Three. Uh, throughout its life, I mean, and and these are these are just some, you know, broad yeah, overview. Um, obviously, we can get more into the nitty gritty, but. Notable notable titles, uh, Halo, Halo 2, Fable, KOTOR, Chronicles of Riddick, Splinter Cell 1 through 4 really made its home on Xbox, Morrowind, the only console version of Half-Life 2 on that generation, um, and then there were quite a bit more. So, uh, I... I, I'm, I, I want to reserve S-tier for, like, just god tier xbox i mean i think there's only one choice for that and i'm sure we'll get to that i'm tempted to put this in s tier i'm not and the base this is like not really based on games because i've played a lot of those games on other consoles and they are great games the duke is not a great controller 
but they, it looked, was quickly replaced. It was quickly replaced, but it was still a part of this console's history. Yes. I The Duke is not the best, but it was quickly replaced by the Controller S, which, by the way, the Controller S shipped with consoles on day one in Japan. And then okay. by, like, I think the end of 2002, uh, Xboxes everywhere were shipping with the Controller S, and it was just the standard. And so it, it was, like, it was really fast that the Duke was gone. Um, And, I mean, Xbox Live. Like... Xbox Live normalized online gaming. And that was what, 2003, 2004? 2002. Was it 2002? November 2002. Oh, wow. That's right. We had a question about that a few we weeks did. ago, didn't we? <laughs> yes, we did. These you things just go it. right out my head. Yeah, <laughs> of course I didn't get it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean, November 2002, it normalized online gaming. Uh, I don't know. Okay. I, I, I'm content to put it in A tier. I don't know if it reaches that s tier for me. all right so our here's a question for you and and we're we're gonna do this on the fly should we each do our own tier or should we force ourselves to a to come to a consensus i think we should each do our own and then we'll take an average at the end okay that's good and we're gonna put things in place and then at the end we'll have one chance to reshuffle and then we'll average yep. sounds i'm good. i'm putting it in a tier for now it might yep. get bumped up depending on how things go that's where mine's going um, but I, the original Xbox was just such a, I mean, it had, I, it was the first console to have an onboard heart onboard hard drive. It was the first console to have a built-in modem. Like it's going to be tough for that thing to not bump up to S tier for me that it was just such a revolutionary console. And by the way, did it all an entire generation before PlayStation did. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's fair. PlayStation's kind of always been behind the curve on that one though. I guess that's true. Did all two generations before Nintendo did, but Nintendo has always Nintendo's been never cared. way behind the curve on that. They have never cared about online stuff. So no, they still don't, um, as evidenced by Smash Online. Yeah, well, I mean, when most of their uh, clientele is going to be playing handheld, anyways, they don't really need to. Yeah, that's that's kind of true. Okay, Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty. See, I'm very torn on this one because I want to put this in S tier. I really, really do. Really? Because I think the 360 overall was the best console that Xbox has ever put out. Okay. By Before, far. Before, let's... I'm just going to remind you. We yep. are doing every iteration of Xbox. Oh, I'm aware. The original 360... Was not I, great. I'm That's not why great. I'm torn. That's yeah. why I'm torn. Because the Red Ring of Death was... Yep absolutely killer for it like you that alone cannot put it in s tier that i i think that alone all you have to say is red ring of death and yep. it immediately the best it immediately puts a ceiling at b tier it cannot pass b tier for me really yeah i mean it's even, like like even when it started with all the special edition consoles like oh. Modern warfare 3 gears of war 3 like all those like great special edition consoles that were put out for these things so i don't love special edition consoles there is one that i want and it's the homer simpson original xbox 360 okay that's like all yellow and just has homer's face at the bottom um i would love that but uh, 
Okay. But then also, like, I look at it and, and I don't know. I guess uh, I, I am going to just apply games across all different. So, like, the 360, the 360S, and the 360E all get credit for. 360 games period yeah because they can all play them yeah so. exactly um the 360 launched with call of duty 2 so so i'm i'm gonna automatically put a ceiling it cannot surpass b tier for me it's fighting for b tier at this point but it launched with call of duty 2 like call of duty 2 was sick yeah i mean it launched with it amped all- three condemned gun cameo need for speed most wanted like cameo is the one that i remember most i duh (laughs) (laughs) shocker tim remembers a rare game (laughs) um need for speed most wanted another rare game perfect dark zero which was not very good no no not at all not as Uh, great percy jackson's king kong the movie the game or the official video video game of the movie or something like that. It was a terrible title. <laughs> uh, and then Tony Hawk's American Wasteland. Like, the, it had a stellar launch lineup. I I got my 360 on December 23rd of 2005. And it was... Um, I mean, it was amazing. I Like, I was playing new games for weeks on the 360. Yep. Like... You know that you know that problem, and and the Series X had. We'll we'll definitely discuss it later. Uh, the Series X had a major problem with this: of when a console launches, there's no new games for it, right? Yeah. PS the PS4 had that problem. The Series X had that problem. The 360 did not. I mean, the 360 got Oblivion a few months into its life cycle, and like Oblivion, it just kept rolling. It just kept rolling after that, though. Which is, like, an amazing thing. Yeah, and, and like, for all practical purposes, 2006 was the 360's first year on the market, right? Yep. Which means 2007 was its second year. And in 2007, the 360 got three exclusives that were best of all time. Bioshock, which would later become non-exclusive. Mass Effect, which, again, would later become non-exclusive. And Halo 3. And yeah, it's all like, top tier games. I mean, those are all, those are three of the best games of all time. And they yeah. were all Xbox 360 year two. And so, okay. So that alone, you know what? I talked myself into it. 360 is going to be tier. Because of the Red Ring of Death. Where are you putting it? I'm throwing it in A tier. I, I like, I, yeah, the re- Red Ring of Death was awful, but there were ways around it. You could put mayonnaise on your console and it would still work again. <sighs> yes, that was a fix and it worked. Don't ask how I know this. Oh man, <laughs> I, I mean, like there was the penny trick. Like it, it yep. definitely there were there were fixes. There were workarounds. Yes, yeah, but it it was like a forty percent fail rate. You know what? I'm moving it down to B tier just because you had to buy a network adapter for it. Yes, for wireless. That was another thing that was incredible. You know I just I just remembered that, so that's going down to B for me on that one. Yeah, that was. I remember. So I used to on original Xbox to play online. What I did was the modem was upstairs in in my parents' family room, and the Xbox was in the basement. Yeah, and so what I did was I I went to Radio Shack. 
and I bought a really, really long uh, Ethernet cable, like 100 feet. Yeah. And um, and it, it was like all the money I had at the time. Um, but so I bought this Ethernet cable and then I could only and I would like I hid it under my bed and I would I could only play uh, Xbox Live when my parents were gone, were out of out of the house. And I would run the Ethernet cable all the way down the stairs, through the basement, and to the Xbox. And, um, and, and like, it was, it was awesome. But then on Xbox 360, because it didn't have that wireless, uh, because that wireless adapter was $100, I... So expensive. It was absurd. What I did was I ran an Ethernet cable from my 360 to my computer... And then I put my computer in bridge mode and I used my, my PC as a wireless antenna for my 360 to play Xbox Live online on my 360 via my PC. Yeah, I, I don't know. It just boggles me that there wasn't a wireless adapter installed, especially considering the Wii had one. Well, the Wii and the PS3 60 gig had one. There was one PS3 yep. that was sold without one, but but it was kind of standard that the... I mean, it, it was just a standard thing. And the fact that the 360 didn't have one built in until 2010 yeah. is absurd to me. Like, and, and I get it that they were, they were a year, they were, they went to market a year ahead of everyone else and they were a hundred dollars cheaper than Sony a year ahead of them. So I understand there were cuts that had to be made. That was a yep. cut that shouldn't have been made. And I, I agree with you. That's, agree. that's worthy of putting them at B tier. All right. Xbox 360S. Now, take every problem I had with the 360 and just throw it in the trash. Yeah. This thing was pretty much perfection for the time. Like, I this agree. is the one console I would put in S tier. I'm going S tier hard just because... The 360 had such an incredible library, right? The 360 is the best console they've ever made. Absolutely. There's no doubting that. And they fixed all of its problems and made it look cooler and way smaller all at the same time. Like, and it has a wireless adapter now. What, what, like, come on. Yeah. And it had, it had wireless. (laughs) It didn't have the red ring of death problem. It had, uh hdmi built in to every single 360s not just some of them yep they fixed the um the disk drive problem where the disk drive would get stuck i don't know if you ever experienced that yes because the because of the uh belts yep. the three six the original 360 had major problems with the belts the quality control on the original 360 was pretty terrible um yeah but yeah, they fixed the belts problem. Uh, the hard drives were way smaller and bigger capacity. I remember paying like hundred and twenty dollars for a hundred and twenty gig, um, three sixty, uh, or on the original three sixty hard drive, and I paid like seventy bucks, I think, for a two fifty when I bought my three sixty S. It it was just a it was just an upgrade in every possible way. Oh yeah. So if you didn't have one, it was the one to get at that time. Yeah. Now, uh, something we something we didn't really talk about with the 360, I think, and, and I think that this is absolutely worthy of discussion. They refined the controller. 
So yes. they, they took the controller S and they moved the black and white buttons up to the bumpers, turned them into bumpers. They really solidified the staggered stick design and made it iconic of Xbox. And ergonomically, I think that they took such a giant leap forward from the controller S to the 360. I think that there's a case, and I'm not saying that I'm buying into this. I think that there's a case to be made for the 360 controller being the best controller ever made. No, oh, I'm 100% with you. Like, I still have a wired Xbox 360 controller that I use for my PC games every now and then. Exactly. Like, I still have multiple 360 controllers. Um, I don't use them anymore because I don't have a 360 anymore. But, like, no, I, I'm I to- I'm totally with you. It's, uh, it's kind of crazy how good that controller was. And the fact that when they refined it even further for the Xbox One, it was debatably not as good. Yeah, I didn't like the Xbox One controller as much at first. It's just, I don't know, something about it felt too angular. It just didn't didn't sit right in my hands as well as the uh, 360 did. No, I I I definitely agree. I, I do have to knock on the controller just a little bit. The bumpers were pretty trash. They did break very easily and that's a problem that still exists today yeah they microsoft has never really addressed or fixed this problem their bumper design is i mean it's it, we can just say it's just straight up bad yeah they need to fix it like this yeah. if there's one thing they need to fix about these controllers it's the bumpers i i definitely agree about that um but the man the 360 controller overall was just such a huge win for such an for what is already such an incredible console to have yep. a controller that is just damn near perfect. Yeah, is, I uh, mean it also it also pushed Sony to actually, you know, have to create a new controller for their next iteration. Yeah. Because the DualShock the DualShock 3 was essentially, oh, it's just the same shell as a DualShock 2 with DualShock the same 2. shitty sticks. Yep. And but, concave uh or convex triggers and sticks. Are you yep. kidding me? Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree. And again, it was an, it was another situation of Sony was a generation behind the, the controller was so good that Sony had to address it. And I think they addressed it really well. I love the DualShock four. Um, I don't love the DualSense, but that's a, that's something for another time. I'm, I'm going to leave my, I'm going to leave the 360s in S tier. It's, yep. it's just one of the best Xboxes ever made. And it stood the test of time. There are still plenty of 360 S's out there. And I think that that's something worthy of discussion of, you know, because there, there are going to be a few that I'm going to be tempted for S tier. I'm not sure. I mean, maybe you'll talk me into it, but, uh, but it's, it, it's going to be about time at this point. Like there, there are a few that are like, Oh my God, this, they're amazing. But have they stood the test of time? The 360 S did. Absolutely. Okay, uh, 360E. So, <laughs> I you're going to hate me for this, but I'm putting it way down to the bottom, D tier, trash tier. This is probably one of the worst things they've ever released, in my opinion. Uh, so, I don't hate you for that. I totally agree. It was terrible. Uh, it was released on June 10th of 2013, um, just before the original Xbox One. It was discontinued on April 20th of 2016. Uh, It was another revision of the Xbox 360, but it was designed to look more in line with the Xbox One so that it was like, hey, we have this family of Xboxes. Um, 
and it was announced alongside the Xbox One. It is cheap, it is garbage, and it is the worst design aesthetically of any Xbox ever. Yes, yes, and yes. And also, did you know anyone who owned one of these? I knew one person. Uh, She was Jillian's roommate in college. I don't know why she had it, but I know she never used it. And essentially what this thing was, was their answer to why the Xbox One was always online. Because remember, there's that famous Don Patrick quote of, yeah, you know, well, we have a, you know, customers who don't want to be always online, we have a product for them, and it's called Xbox 360. Um, He said it, and that's what he meant was this Xbox 360E, this cheap hunk of junk. It's it's D tier. I, yeah, I, I hate the 360E. Yep. The only Full agreement good, on this. The only good thing about it. Uh, is that it was you could you could take your hard drive out of your 360s and put it into your 360e, but I don't know why you would do that unless you couldn't find a 360s anywhere. <laughs> like why you would ever use a 360e instead of an s, I don't know. Yeah, I, like had they released this maybe like in 2012, a year before the. Like the Xbox One came out, maybe it would have had a better chance, but like three or four months before the original con, like the one came out. And no, I don't know anyone who bought one after that at it's, all. It's just such a superfluous iteration because it's just worthless. <laughs> it's replacing the 360S, which we just discussed. S tier was best was Xbox great as ever. it was. You yeah. didn't need to do anything to it. Exactly. It fine. And so, like, why are you replacing it? Especially, why are you replacing it months before your next generation console comes out? I It must have been a supply chain thing that they found a way to just manufacture it cheaper yeah. than, than the 360S. Um, but that's exactly what it was. It was cheaper. And, I mean, if you look, it, this wasn't the only time that happened during that generation. Because originally there was the Fat Boy PS3. Then there was the Slim PS3. Then there was the Super Slim PS3, and the Super Slim PS3 had that shitty sliding door. I mean, it was just corners cut everywhere. That thing was practically a circle because they cut so many damn corners. And, like, (laughs) it was, like, it was cheap. Both, like, the third generation, or the third iteration of both of those, of both consoles in that generation were cheap and bad, and I would not recommend them to anyone. So, D tier. Original Xbox One. See, for this, I'm. There's a lot of bad things that happened with this one, and I'm gonna have to like just for right off the bat, it might change a little bit. It's C tier. Okay, let's talk about this then, because I'm not sure where I want this. I could see myself going as low as C. I could see myself going as high as A. So let's discuss. Uh, Originally released on November 22nd of 2013, discontinued in 2016. It launched with Assassin's Creed, uh, Assassin's Creed 4, Battlefield 4, Call of Duty Ghosts, Dead Rising 3, Forza Motorsport 5, Need for Speed Rivals, Rise, Son of Rome. Um, But 
throughout the generation, the exclusives really, really suffered. I mean, this it was not, not mention, a good generation for Xbox. Not to mention at least three of those launch titles were available ex- yes. elsewhere on the PS4, which was $100 less. Yes. And looked better. Um, so exclusives suffered. I mean, we okay. I agree with you. They looked better on PS4. They ran better on PS4. They were available on PS4. But Xbox One also got Sunset Overdrive and Halo Master Chief Collection within year one. Which, those are nothing to be scoffed at. Uh, Well, do you remember Master Chief Collection at launch? At launch, it was pretty bad. I'll I'll give you that. Okay. But it was all the Halo games on Xbox One within a year of launch. I think it took a little bit longer to get ODST and Reach on there, but yeah. Uh, that's right. That's right. Um, and But then also, Halo 5 was a year later. Uh, or a year after. So two years after the launch. Gears of War 4 came. Gears 5. Forza Horizon. Uh, sorry. Horizon 2. Horizon 3. Horizon 4. And 5. Uh, there was that free-to-play Killer Instinct. Did you ever play that game? I did for like five minutes when I realized there were only like three characters available because it was the free-to-pay version. I think that that's what everyone did. Uh, Quantum Break was sick. That that game, I still stand by. That game was amazing, and I would love to see that game get a sequel. I actually just picked that up the other day on Steam. Nice. That You're going to have a blast. Like, that game is awesome. The show sucks. Like, the show <laughs> that's like intertwined in it is terrible. Don't pay attention. Gotcha. Uh, but the game is amazing. Like, top tier remedy, and uh, it exists in the same universe as Alan Wake and Control. So, I still need to finish Control. If you picked it up, you, we better be hearing about it next week because I own it on like four different consoles. I've never finished it. No, no, no. I mean, um, if you picked up Quantum Break. Oh, Quantum Break. Okay. Yeah. We better be hearing about it next week because that game is amazing. We'll I see. loved it. And it, and it's pretty quick. It's a pretty quick play. I think I played it through it in like a day and a half. All right. Um, but then there was also like Sea of Thieves was that generation. Motorsport 5, 6, and 7. Cuphead. State of okay, Decay I do, want, I do want to stop you right there, though. Okay. Half of these games you've mentioned have been Forza. Is, You're is that really all? Is that all that this console has to give us for exclusives? Kind of. Like, I, I love racing games, don't get me wrong, but when half of your exclusive library is just Forza, you've got a problem. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. Like, Motorsport, that's a good point. Uh, that's a good point. And you know what? The original... Okay. I'm putting a ceiling on it. I It's it's not going to get an A tier from me at this point because of Connect. Yeah, that's something we haven't mentioned yet, that they bundled it with it. <sighs> And they forced you to buy it. I own yep. a Connect One because I adopted that console early. Yep, same. And I mean that Connect, like, what the fuck is it? I I, I never yeah. use that shit. I mean, I played Connect Adventures on it. That was about it for like yeah. one afternoon, and then I never bought anything else for it. Yeah. It so a fun little experiment, but that's about it. Okay. You know what? The fact that they. Because at one point they said that they would never ship an Xbox One without Connect, and then I I thought okay I guess I'll buy an Xbox One, and I did, 
And then they started shipping them without Connect like six months later. Yep. C tier. So I got to actually tell you a funny story about how I got my original Xbox One because I don't think I've ever told you this story. Okay, let's hear it. So um, about six months into launch, into the launch, I still didn't have one. Like I was a bit short on money at the time and it was hard to get one. But uh, I was talking to my buddy Mikey one day and he worked at Target at the time. And he was like, hey, we're packing up our um, display unit. Do you want it for like 200 bucks? I was like, yeah, I'll be right over. 200 bucks oh. for an Xbox One? Yeah, because it was the display unit. It had been wow. like well used. Yeah. So I was like, fuck it, I'll do it. Nice. He- heavily discounted. Like, I-, I didn't care. Yeah, I had to buy, I had to buy 500 bucks. I had to buy a new controller because the new the controller that came with it was pretty scuffed and I I wouldn't I wouldn't never want to use that anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I picked used a sock to pick it up and toss it. Um, (laughs) But but yeah, that's how I got my Xbox one. Nice. That's pretty awesome. But I think that also tells you that uh, (laughs) it wasn't a great console if I only wanted to pay 200 for it. Yeah, that's the thing is (laughs) the Xbox one had such an arc of success. Yeah. Um, because we both wound up buying this next one, which was the Xbox One S. Yep. I, by the way, I certainly hope you burned that sock after you picked up that controller because I probably like, I don't think I would have even taken that thing out of the store. Gross. (laughs) Um, yeah, I, I don't remember. So the Xbox One S released on August 2nd of 2016 in the two terabyte variant. Then, uh, like three weeks later on August 23rd, um, they released the 500 gig and the one terabyte versions. Uh, it was discontinued in 2020 and there was another variant of the one S called the one S all digital that I really hate myself for not buying. It's the only Xbox one I didn't buy. And I'm really mad at myself for it at this point because it was 200 bucks and now it's going to be a collector's item because nobody bought it. But it was, I mean, it was a revision to the, uh, to the original Xbox one. It was basically what the Xbox one should always should have been. Yep. Like if you ask. Cause, yeah. Cause it was, it was smaller. It was much more sleek. It didn't come with the connect this time, so you didn't need to worry about that. Not it to mention an, the white just looked real good on it. It had an integrated power supply, which was huge. And yeah. I agree with you, the white, like I the Xbox One, and, and this is such a such a stupid thing, but like I'm sure that we all um I'm sure that we all understand it aesthetically just the the like plastic box that's sitting there i think is one of the best looking consoles ever made like it's up there with like super nintendo for me the xbox one or the one s oh sorry the one s okay because we're gonna say the xbox Mm. one looks like a freaking vcr not the vcr (laughs) if any kids know what that is these days the one s i think it's like one of the most attractive consoles I've ever seen. I love it. It's like it's up there with with uh with Super Nintendo for me. Yeah, I I really like the look of it. It's very sleek. 
It's very modern. Yeah. But it, it's it's it looks very modern and serious while also just like exuding like fun, you know. Yep. Somehow I I don't know how they like design that <laughs> to be like, "Hey, we want to communicate that this is like a serious grown-up toy, but also like it's a toy. It's fun." Yep. And and they did it perfectly with the 1S. Uh, where are you going to go with the 1S? What tier? I think I'm gonna, I think it's going to be an A tier for me. I was thinking the same thing. I uh, the 1S was you know what? I want to say A tier, but also like I mean, part of me wants to bump it up to S also because it did so much more for the oh, Xbox really? 1 than the 360 S did for the 360. Like I feel like the Xbox One X did more. Okay, to save you, to save that console generation. I was about to push it down to B tier. You just talked me into A tier because you're right. It it was the beginning of turning that you know that like aircraft Dial. carrier sized ship around, right? Yep. And and it, it was that dial up to eleven. Yeah, it really like it showed. No, no, no. Like we're down, but we're not out. It really sent a message to the entire community, the entire industry. I'm going to go A tier for the Xbox One S. Yeah, I think I'm going to stick it there just because the game library didn't. Yeah, I mean, still didn't hold up. The Xbox One always struggled with games. Okay. But Uh, as far as hardware goes, yeah, it deserves the A tier there. Yeah, totally agree. Xbox One X. Um, now this is one that I had that you did not. Yep. I'd never touched this console because I had just gotten my series S and was your one. Like, well, if, yeah. Yeah. My one S and I was basically, yeah, I was like, all right, I just bought this. Why, why do I need this new one? Yeah. All right. No, I totally understand that. And you didn't even have a 4k display at the time. Nope. Didn't. So it, it made zero sense for me to have one. Yeah. Uh, so originally released November seventh of twenty seventeen, discontinued in mid twenty twenty. Um, the I think the power that the One X brought to the scene, like Sony had already released, released their PS four Pro. That happened in twenty sixteen, like late twenty sixteen. Uh the. And then, and then Microsoft comes along with the One X a year later and just blows the PS4 Pro out of the water. And does it while the entire time is just whisper quiet while it does it. Like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, so basically the One X allowed games to run natively at 4K 30 or 1080p 60 uh it upscaled a lot of games like it upscaled it made there were patches for like master chief collection forza motorsport three four or three and four and then also gears five that all took advantage of the of the uh one x hardware um and then also like uh it improved i mean like have you ever looked at uh at red dead redemption on a one x versus like a 360 nope or even even an Xbox One, like games like Red Dead Redemption, Gears of War Two, uh, Fusion Frenzy, they look like they're straight up remastered. Like Ethan and I were playing Gears Two together, he was on his original Xbox One, I was on my One X, 
And he was like, I was like, whoa, this looks incredibly good. And he was like, what are you talking about? And he would send me screenshots. It was like we were playing a different game. That's how <laughs> good the One X was. I mean, I got to go A tier for the One X just because, ah, uh, you know what? Yeah, you know what? I got to go A tier for the One X because it was it was such a sign of like we're here to fight and and like we will not be our crown will not be taken i honestly cannot put it above a b just because it came out a year after the one s yeah as a gamer who had just like invested in upgrading my console to be told oh hey you probably should have you know waited to yeah upgrade to this thing it was just a huge buzzkill no matter how good it made games look yeah just... and i'm <sighs> sorry go ahead no you're good it it was just such a kick in the pants to be like hey uh we we are fully aware and we're like almost openly acknowledging that the current xbox one kind of blows and so we're gonna release this one s uh but we're going to tease project scorpio and we're going to tell you that it's holiday 2017. So you can try and limp along with your shitty original Xbox One that we never should have released for an extra year and buy the One X. Or you can buy this nice One S right now and then either be forced to spend more money in a year or just live with the One S. I agree with you. The timing was bad. And honestly, like living with the One S until the Series S and Series X came out was not a bad deal. Like it, it still worked out pretty well for me, especially mm. considering towards the end of the lifestyle, there wasn't much to play on it, anyways. Yeah, no, I definitely hear what you're saying. Um, God, you might be convincing me because that was <laughs> that was shitty. Like that was shitty because I'm someone who bought the I bought the One S basically at launch. And then I didn't buy a One X until about a year after it had already been out. I, I didn't. I waited on a One X until it was white, basically. Yeah, I just never picked one up because I uh, knew a new console was coming, and I was like, I just, I just yeah. upgraded. Yeah, I'm gonna Cannot. leave it where it is for now. Um. You might you might you might talk me out of it when when we shuffle. But I'm gonna leave it where it is for now. Alright. Xbox uh let's do Series S first before right. we get to the Mac Daddy. Um so originally released on November tenth of twenty twenty, still current generation. Uh launch titles basically nothing. Yeah, there was little to none. I'm like, oh boy, your Game Pass games look phenomenal now. But as far as new games goes, there was nothing. Yeah. At least, um, nothing, at least nothing worth screaming about. So. Yeah. But that being said, we have gotten some phenomenal games so far. Yes. We've gotten I mean, Halo Infinite, we've gotten Horizon 5, we've gotten Psychonauts 2, 
Microsoft Flight, Flight Simulator is yeah. also fantastic. Yeah. And I mean, I... we're what? A year and a half into the console? And it's still the only one you can go buy. It's the only yep. one that's widely available. It's 300 bucks. And if you buy it on all access, it's 240 bucks. I really wish I could have done that, but I'm still glad that I have my my Series X. Yeah. You yeah. got it the way I did, so. I mean, you got it pretty early. So, yeah, it, about it, 3 or 4 months after it came out. If you're wanting a Series X, it's still at the point where it's like you just buy it however you can. Yeah. Um I that $240 price tag or 300 if you just buy it straight up is so nice for what yeah. you're getting. I, you're getting just, a console. Like, go ahead. I don't know. Does it do the 4K as well on it? It upscales a lot of games to 4K. Okay. It, it doesn't run things natively at 4K, but it upscales to 4K. And and it's like it runs things natively at 1440, which like still pretty good. Yeah, I. I think the only knock I have against it is that it's all digital. Like I would like the option for a. Like a, a Series the, S with a disk drive. Drive, yeah. I would like that option, but I understand why they didn't include it to keep the price point down exactly. as much as they could. I, You know what? I got to go A tier for the Series S just because, and I said it, um, I said it before the console came out and like th- since its release. Um, I think that it's going to be the biggest disruptor of this generation. It makes gaming so much more accessible to so many people. And like, it's like all my friends who really, who are like really into video games, they don't need my advice, right? They're not asking me, Hey, what should I buy? They know they should buy the series X. They know that they want the series X, but anyone who is more casual. And like, if, if you are casual to the point that you're asking me, Hey, what should I buy? I tell you Series S because yep. you you play so casually that you shouldn't spend five hundred dollars. You should spend yeah, three hundred dollars. You're you're basically getting it half off for something that'll play the exact same games. Yeah. And look comparable for look, that price point. Uh, yeah, look great. Like I so I have a I have a Series X for my office. I have a Series S for my living room. Um I I love my Series S. It's such a fantastic little console. It's got to be A tier for me. Where where are you going to put it? I'm putting it down at B tier because I don't have one and because we're only about a year and a half into the cycle. The games just aren't there to support it. Yes, yes, we have some good ones that have come out so far, but not but it's it just still doesn't have the CBD. Li- yep, it's still in its infancy. It doesn't have the library behind it yet. I'm sure once like the end of this console generation is over and we revisit it, it might go up. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's another thing to consider is like, how much longer is the series that's going to be viable? Like, is it going to make yep. it all the way through the, the console generation? It might not. It might get replaced here in another two, three years. Exactly. And I, I think that, I think that it's this whole S and X thing is their new model. And I fully expect them to, I uh, like to iterate rather than do another generation. So I bet that there'll be like a series X Mark two and a series S Mark two. Um, and when they do, like, I, I think that the S will continue 
just because um just because they'll they're looking to iterate more than just oh, revolutionize. Yeah. Uh but I think that in the long term, like I, I expect that to happen where a year and a half in, I bet in two and a half years we'll be getting replacements for these consoles. And it'll basically be like, hey, here's it's it's still like the just the platform is Xbox now, and this is just new hardware, very much like the iPhone model, right? Yep. Um, but as far as longevity goes, I think the Series S, the current Series S, will be the first one to fall out of support. To be like, oh yeah, we're not going to support this hardware anymore. Sorry. Um, and and I think that that'll I think it'll not get support much sooner than say the series x relative to when they came out and i mean a lot of that's just the power difference exactly the series x is going to be able to live longer because it can exactly do more yeah um but i'm still going to put it a tier because it makes gaming especially with like the with the supply chain problems right now um it's impossible to get a Series X. It's impossible to get a PS5. It's impossible to get a GPU. But anyone can can get a Series S, and it's very affordable. It's got to be A tier for me. Yep, um, that's fair. Okay. Um, last one, Series X. I love my Series X. I play it all the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's pretty much my go-to console right now. Except for when I'm on the go, which is my Switch, because I can't take my yeah. S, my my Series X with me. Yeah, but um, but yeah, like take everything about the Series S, throw a uh, a disc drive on it, and you're pretty good. The only thing I don't like is the aesthetic of it. I don't like the fridge. Really? Oh, I, I don't like the fridge. I it's a little too tall. Okay. To to fit on my shelf of many gaming consoles. Yeah. Um. That's interesting. I like the design a lot. Uh, did you ever see the like? Did you ever see the trash can Mac Pro? Yeah. Um. So I feel like the Series X looks like what Microsoft would have made if they were like, okay, we're gonna make like a trash can Mac Pro competitor, and it, I think that it would end up looking like the Series X, and I think that it looks fantastic. But I, the, I mean, that's super subjective. Like I said, I it's and this is more a lot of my setup than it is the console itself. It just doesn't fit in my setup right now the way it is. Yeah, and which can be a it, pain in the ass. And it's a problem because the vent is like right up against the top, like of the shelf. So I yeah. like I have to pull it out, set it on the floor if I'm going to use it, oh, and then yeah, put it back like, in. It's a and like. Do you I, not have... it, it could be smaller. Like, I feel like this console could have been a little bit smaller. Do you not have space to lay it on its side? No, because oh, that's okay. laying it on my side would lay it on top of my PS4, which is also laid on its side, which is also too tall for my stuff. Your PS4? Sorry, PS5. Oh, okay. I was going to say, why do, you have, why do you still have your PS4 in your setup? No, that, that's in the attic. Yeah. Um, okay, so interesting. Um you know, I was gonna put the PS the Series X at A tier, but 
I think that the Series S, just what the Series S offers, I would, I have to put the Series X at B tier because the, I think the Series S is a better, it's just, it's a better value all around. It's, I think that in the long term, the Series X will be around, but the Series S will do more for capturing that Xbox audience. So I'm going to put the Series X at B tier. It's good for the hardcore. Like, it's good for hardcore gamers. But it's not the best Xbox to buy right now. Yeah, I can agree with that. Especially for the casual gamer. Like, you gotta go with the S over the X. I mean, it's like my father-in-law. He was still playing on an Xbox 360. Until recently. And... I spoke with my mother-in-law and I was like, hey, you should buy him this Xbox for Christmas. And uh, this was Christmas 2020. And I was like, you should buy him this because you can, you know, basically you'll pay a monthly fee. He'll get all these games because the dude does not want to buy games, right? Yeah. He'll get all these games and you just pay a monthly fee like Netflix. And then you pay another $10 on top of that and he gets the Xbox. And, and like, it's just such a no brainer to be like, yes, you should, you should buy these. Um, so, so the series S I think is what makes the series S relative or the series, the series S is what relatively makes the series X not as good. And like, I love the series X. It's a great console for me. It's a great console for you, but it's not a great console for most people. I mean, it's a great console for most people, but like, it's not the right console for most people. And when the Series S exists, I would push them to the Series S. So, okay. So I think that we differed a little bit. Uh, What do you have in S tier? Um, 360S. That's it. 360S. Okay. What do you have in A? I only have the 360S in S tier as well. Uh, What do you have in A tier? The original Xbox and then the Xbox One S. Okay. I have the original Xbox, the Xbox One S, the Xbox One X, and the Series S. Uh, okay. What what do you have in B tier? The original 360, the okay. um, Xbox One X, the Xbox Series S, and the Xbox Series X. Okay. I have the original 360 and the Series X. Uh, and then C tier and D tier, I think we both have the same, which is... yeah. C tier is original Xbox One. D tier is 360E. That is correct. Okay. Um, you know what? I so it's a I it's such a cliche thing to say that like, oh, it's difficult times or very trying times right now, right? But Mm-mm. it is. I think that the impact that the Series S is having on the accessibility of gaming right now. It's the only console, including the PS4. It is the only console you can walk into a store and buy right now. And the fact that it's 300 bucks, I think if it weren't for COVID, it would be A tier. I'm going to put it to S tier because the accessibility of a little kid wants to get into gaming and their parents don't want to spend 500 bucks. 
and they don't want to hunt around for a PS5 or a PS4 or a Series X. It is just, it's making gaming accessible to everyone in one of the hardest times in, in recent history. And so it's got to be Series X. It's got to be S tier for me. You know, you've convinced me. I'm moving it up to A tier. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's just such a game changer, right? Um, is there anything you want to move? Any uh, I So well, I made that move. Hmm. Not really. I'm pretty content with mine. Um, maybe the only thing I would move is the Xbox One down to trash tier. I would no. But, I was literally just thinking that because that bundled connect was just such a fuck you to their fans. Oh yeah. You know what? I am gonna do that. I'm taking the I'm taking the Xbox One down to D tier because it was just like the connect is the physical manifestation of their whole like. TV, 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 sports, 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 TV uh, conference. That it's just like that thing is it's it's it is a physical insult that I own a corporation yeah, it, insulting me in my house constantly because it wasn't geared towards gamers. It was geared towards yeah. everyone. Which exactly. Isn't necessarily a bad thing, but you got to remember the gamers are the ones that brought you to where you are. Exactly. They should come first above all else. Remember who brought you to the dance and they were, they were going for that Nintendo Wii demographic. And that's just not what Xbox is about. Xbox started yep. as a way to, Hey, let's expand. Like there is the, the small PC sector. Let's see how much, like basically it was, let's, let's get the most hardcore console gamers who haven't yet migrated to PC and let's get them. And, and that's where Xbox was born. That's where Xbox made its bread and butter. And, uh, and then that is just not at all what connect is. And connect was all about, um, connect was all about that. The, the casual audience, you know what I'm moving, I'm moving the original Xbox to S tier as well. Xbox live was just a game changer. It's gonna stay right where it is for me. Like Halo Two, I and and I I I totally understand it staying where it is for you because you didn't play it. Um, but Halo Two online was just like, like I I could not wait for my parents to leave so I could play Halo Two online. I was it was just so thrilling to to like log online and play with random people, and I was one of those. You know, no, I wasn't pre-pubescent because I was like 14, but pubescent kids shouting into the microphone. Um, So, yeah, I mean, original Xbox was just something else. Okay. And I, I just think back to early Xbox Live days and realize that kids these days would not have survived in those lobbies. Oh, God. <laughs> Remember Modern Warfare 2? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. The, the things that were said in those lobbies would make kids these days vomit they were considered war crimes yes absolutely uh, um okay so i'm comfortable with my answer i'm comfortable yeah. with my answer are are with my list are you good with yours yeah i've adjusted a couple more things okay so tell me tell me what you've got in s tier still the one and only xbox 360s okay that is it 
in my S tier, I have 360S, Series S, and original Xbox. Um, A tier, what do you have? I've got the original Xbox. I've got the Series. No, the, not the Series. The One, one S. S. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I've got to be mad at them for years about this. Oh, yeah. It's a terrible naming scheme. Yeah, you know, I got both the One S and the Series S here in A tier. So, you know, I would have been fine. It's a, yeah, it's a respectable, respectable A tier for sure. Yep. Um, my A tier, I have the one S and the one X and, and, you know, I, something that I wasn't taking into account in thinking about this before we recorded, uh, and, and you actually really sold me the one S and then is such, it, it's so iconic of that change in philosophy at the company. And then the one X is just solidifying that like just the reassurance of no 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 we are not the company that's trying to sell grandma on xbox we are the company that that started xbox as you know that like hey let's convert the most hardcore or let's let's appeal to the most hardcore console gamers um and, and so the one s was symbolizing them writing the ship the one x was symbolized was reassuring like hey this is we're here for the most hardcore people in this audience and and that's who that's who we want to appeal to so i feel good about where the both of those are and you definitely convinced me about both of those i rock (laughs) all right b tier what do you have i've got the xbox one x and xbox series s sorry series x uh okay did you you had the why'd you move the 360 um it's it's at c tier it's at c tier now i I just felt like there's something needed to be something there and i didn't feel like it was as good as uh the one x or the series x that red ring of death is just yeah it's just killer fuck you know what now you're convincing me of that too (laughs) because okay because i'm looking at it and it's like it's right next to the series x is it as good as the series x no it's not because 40% failure rate like no yeah you can't overlook that you just can't yeah okay um so b tier you had the one x and the series x yep my b tier i have the series x and uh i i i i think that on the trajectory that the series x is on i could see it landing in a tier at like absolutely after all is undone i could see it Easily landing in A tier, maybe landing in S tier. Yep, it's going to basically depend on the games at this point. I and like whatever yeah. iteration comes after it. I could even see oh. it like again, depending on the games, right? I could see yep. the Series X landing in like double S, right? Landing in like this is this is undeniably the best Xbox of all time. Um, but as it is right now, it's a really really solid B tier because who does it appeal to? And you know what? If it got a price cut to four hundred bucks, it'd move it, up to A tier immediately. It would be A tier immediately. Yeah, the five hundred dollar buy in is just it's it's hard. Yeah, and you know what? If if the Series X got cut to four hundred bucks, not only would it go to A tier, so would the Series S. It would also go to A tier because an extra two hundred dollars for the power the Series X offers over the Series S is reasonable an extra one hundred dollars 
is not as appealing. It, not as well, appealing it, at that point. Yeah, suddenly the the Series S is like, well, I mean, I'll wait for a Series X, right? Yeah, it's like it's only a hundred dollars more. Might as well just grab this one. Exactly. Um. So yeah, I mean, I feel good about it. You know, if it got a price cut later on in its life and it kept getting games like it has been and those games keep coming to game pass which i fully expect that to keep happening i i could totally see it landing in a tier s tier uh okay c tier we both have the 360 and the main reason because we both adore the 360 right oh yeah it was a great console i had one and it worked for years like i had one red ring of death which i fixed and never had a problem with afterwards i had five five red rings of death at the most inopportune times i mean i so might have told so them. you're just the entire 40 percent <laughs> maybe, <I'm> hearing. <laughs> maybe um i i got the 360 about a month after it came out um and and so i was like very early in uh i might have told this story on the podcast before but i got halo 3 two weeks early uh and i was playing it and, um, like I, I get home and I put it in my Xbox and I boot it up and I'm watching the opening cutscene. and Cortana says, do you know what it was? Luck. And then red ring of death. And it's just, <laughs> like, well, that's not luck. So why did you pick me Cortana? Mm. Um, so yeah, it, it, I, I have so many great memories on the 360, but that red ring of death is just undeniable. And then uh, trash tier, D tier. You have, and and I think that we have the same thing. The 360E, just cheapo, worst Xbox ever. Yep. And And the physical manifestation. (laughs) The literal insult. Yeah, the Xbox One with that gaudy-ass connect. God. And you know what? It even looks cool. Like, if there was a webcam that looked like that and had a crazy good camera in it, even if it was that big, if I had a crazy good camera and like the best mic array of a webcam ever, I would buy it. But they told me that they were never going to sell the Xbox one without it. So like, fuck you. Yeah. I mean, also your girlfriend could walk in and turn your Xbox off just by saying it in oh the middle of an God. argument. I know. Not great. Not and great. Also the capacitive uh, touch button, power button. Like yep. there were, I remember seeing on Reddit, someone rubbed a hot dog on their friends, on their roommates, um, power button. And the dog kept going up and like to lick Licking the it. button oh, and its no. nose would bump the button. It was hilarious. Oh, uh, that's, that's funny. Uh, you know, also something we didn't talk about, but like storage capacity. Storage capacity. And, like, I'm not going to adjust anything. I think everything's fine as it is, but like. Xbox One launched with what? 512 gigabytes, I think, if that? 500. 500 gigabytes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Those were eight, they, those were eaten up pretty quick. They're still eating up pretty quick. That's also yeah. another knock, I guess, against Series S and Series X. They should have bigger storage. Uh, so the Series S, I agree with you. The Series X, I think one terabyte is appropriate. One terabyte is like... Most people can get by with one terabyte. It kind of sucks. Like it, it's you're immediately like out of the box. You're a little bit strained, but yeah. there are very easy options to upgrade. Um, but the but the Series S, it's inexcusable. 
Um, Does it have the uh, the expansion slots on it or yes. no? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So it has so. an expansion slot, and I'm actually uh, I'm gonna buy the two terabyte card eventually. And right now I have the one terabyte card in my Series X, and oh, when I buy expensive. the yeah, the two terabyte are four hundred dollars. I could buy myself a Series S for that. You could buy yourself a PS5 for that. And so, so it's a major investment. It's um, and and I mean that's why I think that the Series X one terabyte it's appropriate because that storage is so expensive, right? Yeah, um, it's very quick. So it's cutting edge, right? It's it's. Gen 4 NVMe. Uh, but eh, 512 in the Series S. I get it that they were trying to cut costs anywhere they could. I think that even if it meant they sold the Series S. No, I'm not going to say that. If, 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 you're, if you're saying that had they sold it for $50 more and given it that one terabyte. Yeah, no, it would not be as good of a deal. I don't think I was, be I was only going to say $20 more. If they sold it for three twenty, and gave you one terabyte, uh, but I'm not even going to say that because it's that like them hitting triple digits in the difference between the Series S and the and the cheapest PS5. Yeah, I think that triple digit difference is what really Huge. makes the difference. Yeah, it's if it you're and I and I know it's only twenty bucks, but like. $80 less than a PS5 or $100 less. That's huge. It's 25 25%. So I so I guess I'm I guess you kind of talked me into like the 512 is okay. I don't like it, but like it's okay. I I what I want to see is I want to see the expansion cards be less expensive. I'm sure they will be over time. It's just going to take a few years. Yeah. I like if there was a 512 gig expansion card for 80 bucks, then I would be all over that. Um, but I don't know. I, uh, and then, I mean, I don't, I don't think that there were really, Oh, you know what? I guess storage is, is another good thing to talk about with the series, with the, uh, 360s because the 360s, There was a four gigabyte console available, and that's dumb. That the arcade console was always, always like a, a mystery to me. It's like, why are you including barely any storage in this thing that you who is buying I, this thing? Indie gamers, that's it. And uh, at that point, like, you're gonna run out of indie games eventually, yeah. you're gonna run out of Xbox arcade games eventually. Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree. That was a just, stupid move. Yeah. Uh, they should have just done away with that after the first iteration of the of the one. Sorry, not the one. 360. God damn. I yeah. just... I mean, in your defense, the naming scheme for the Xbox... It's awful! Is, yeah, it's just generally bad. Throw them all in trash tier. We're done yeah, here. They're all in trash tier. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so so that's where our, uh, that's where our tier lists rank. Um, if, if you guys want to put your, put all these Xboxes in a tier list and, and send them to us, that would be awesome. Uh, but it's time for the weekly trivia challenge. Still going with C. Trivia! All right. You might know this one. 
Upon its launch in November 2001, the original Xbox was facing an uphill battle. But one exclusive game that Microsoft had recently published, or had recently acquired to publish, or no, sorry, but one exclusive game that Microsoft had recently published became the reason to buy an Xbox, and that game was Halo Combat Evolved. But Halo wasn't always supposed to be an Xbox game. Which of these platforms was Halo originally intended to be exclusive to? Was it A, PC, B, PS2, C, Mac, or D, N64? Pretty sure this was PC. Yeah, I'm going to go with A, PC. Because I know it wasn't I know it wasn't N64. Did not have the power for that. Uh, PS2, I'm pretty sure Bungie wasn't in bed with PlayStation at that point. Um, yeah, PC just makes the most sense. I'm probably wrong, but going to go with it. A, hey, PC, final, final answer. answer. Yep. Uh, you are wrong, and you should Perfect. have gone with C, because Halo debuted at Macworld 2000. I hate Mac. I detest and, Mac in all of its forms. It was originally a uh, a Mac-exclusive third-person shooter. And uh, Microsoft came along and bought Bungie, at which point uh, Apple lost their exclusive game and all future interest in gaming. All right. Well, that's all we have for you guys tonight. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and review wherever you found our podcasts um, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can see everything we do and more over at GoombaStomp.com. Before we sign off, Tim, why don't you tell us where our listeners can find you? In the gutter crying after getting that wrong. (laughs) Um, uh, No, you can find me uh, generally at twitch.tv slash Rakanai, R-A-K-A-N-A-I. I I usually do all my content there. All right. And uh, so go make sure to check out like Tim's stream and uh, check out Tim's Twitter and come back next week for another meeting of Game Pass Anonymous. Until then, we'll see you on Xbox Live. Oh, I will find